is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Best of the season to you all. Welcome to a, uh, well, Winnipeg Sports Talk. A little, I guess it's a pre-New Year's edition, post-Christmas edition. I know it's a very slow week, slower than we had expected in the world of sports. But we're still here with you, 1 p.m. live on YouTube and in your podcast feed in the afternoon here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you, along with the CTO, Michael Remus. We'll grab Remo in just a second. Um, but best of the season to everyone. Hope you had a great Christmas. As uh, as much as you could do, um, listen, it's been pretty slow around here for obvious reasons. We'll get to all of that coming up. Uh, but do want to give a big best of the season and thank you to all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen. And many of them having big Boxing Day sales this week. So if you do get out and have the opportunity to support them, we certainly appreciate it. F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and Cool Bet Canada. Um, we've got an exciting show coming up today. Uh, as much as can be with nothing going on, um, the Jets were back at practice today. Uh, Neil Pionk back with the club. Jamie Thomas of Jets Radio 680 CJOB is going to join us coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll look at the latest on the hockey club as they deal with a couple players on the COVID list. Some new rules for um, handling COVID going into the new year in the National Hockey League. Um, and talk about their schedule. Um, we were hoping to be on the air yesterday getting ready for a Jets Minnesota Wild game at Canada Life Center. That didn't happen. We were hoping to be talking about a game tomorrow, Canada Life Center between the Jets and the Chicago Blackhawks. That also off the board. As of right now, we expect the Jets to play in Calgary on New Year's Eve. Uh, but we'll have the latest on the hockey club coming up with Jamie Thomas. Uh, and, and then a little bit later on, we'll talk with Cam Robinson um, for the World Junior Hockey Championship. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I'd love to not mention COVID-19. We kind of hit a nice little run there for a while where we weren't really talking about it, but it's everywhere now. It seems like half the city has it. Um, and, you know, it's not just here in Winnipeg. It is everywhere. It is impacting pretty much every side of the sports industry. And unfortunately, we've got some news from the World Junior Hockey Championships today that we have the first canceled game. USA is forfeiting their game against Switzerland this afternoon after some positives. And uh, we'll get to the tweets from Bobby Margarita, Bob McKenzie. Uh, but it does sound like there's some issues with the U.S. goaltending. So uh, they had hoped to push a game back if possible. But this game apparently is a forfeit. So um, we'll have the latest on the World Juniors. And we'll get Cam's perspective on what he's seen so far. Canada, a 10.5 goal favorite tonight against Austria. As we all know, the tournament doesn't really get going until sort of the second half of the round robin. But we'll get to all of it coming up on the program. Let's get Michael Remus in here while we welcome everyone into the chat. Hope everyone had a nice Christmas as much as you're able to do. Um, yes, and Jeff Kabilis, Huss sporting the now vintage Gold Eyes jersey. This, I have to give a little special thank you to my friend Andrew Collier. It was a nice little bit of an early Christmas gift. I've been waiting to throw that out. Um, most recently seen worn by uh, our guy, Jamarcus Hardrick, huge, huge gold eyes fan on his way out to the great cup. But uh, let's get Remus in here and uh, see how things are going. Remo, what's up? But uh, yeah, hanging in there amongst all the uh, great things happening around Winnipeg and Manitoba right now. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I went outside actually on Saturday. Uh, spent like 30 minutes outside before uh, I was afraid for my personal health. Uh, it is cold out there this week. Did some shoveling yesterday. But yeah, it's definitely an odd time of year. Um, you know, just in between Christmas and New Year, seems like everything shuts down. But even more so this year, Hus, where, you know, the Jets games are getting postponed. Uh, you have World Junior games being forfeited. And if you're still in fantasy football, um, you know, wait. You got to wait until like noon on Sunday, noon central time to make sure your players aren't on the list. So it's definitely a, an odd time of year. But hey, we're here. Great to see everyone in chat. And uh, it was nice to, nice for us to have a couple days off. I got to be honest. It's been a, we had some people joking with us on Twitter. And you know how how well you Sark, are so triggered on that. I, you know how well I saw those responses. You know how well sarcasm goes on Twitter. I tweeted out yesterday morning <laughs> that we were going to be out. One person said slackers, and I was like, I haven't taken a day off. We haven't taken any time off since March. And another person wrote WTF. I was like, What do you mean? Like I was I was very triggered, but people said you that were, were. I laughed so hard when I saw you replying from the uh, from the Winnipeg I, Sports Talk account. You better not. You better not be serious about yes, this. <laughs> someone wrote Slack. I'm like, you can't be serious on that. So I was very I was very upset. Maybe I was in a bad mood. I don't know. I think sarcasm doesn't come come over well. But I was. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but I was just too angry about it. So everyone's in a bad mood right now, honestly. I mean, let's just quickly, let's just quickly recap what's going on right now. Uh, everyone has COVID. The Jets games are not only fans aren't allowed, but they've been canceled. I mean, we're now with what po four postponed. straight games. Post well, yes, postponed. postponed. They're going to schedule them at a later date. It's postponed. And you know what? We will be thankful for these games coming up in February when we would have had a really long time. But for right now, this is always a big week. I was mentioning last week on the program that heading out to uh, the uh, the arena in the games between Christmas and New Year's has always been my favorite week of the year. And a big part of that is a lot of people are off. It is a festive atmosphere. And, you know, for people that are from Winnipeg and have grown up here, you see a ton of familiar faces that maybe are elsewhere that are back to celebrate the holidays with friends and family back home. So those games are two of my favorite. Usually there's a couple games between Christmas and New Year's at home, traditionally for the Winnipeg Jets. Those have always been my favorite. And I mean, the New Year's game, which at times had been Jets, but more recently has been Manitoba Moose, also sort of a, a bit of a tradition that I've always like taken into. So all that's off the table. Uh, the National Hockey League, for the most part, has been quiet for the better part of the last, you know, week and a half. Now, we are hoping that it looks like we're going to get three games back on the docket, barring anything going off the rails. We mentioned what's happening with, um, you know, with the World Juniors. It's being played. They've got fan issues right now. No eating, no drinking. Um, hey, everyone's just doing what they can do to get by. The Canadian Mixed Curling Championships, which I was all fired about, or the uh, Olympic qualifiers was canceled it was supposed to be beginning today out in portage la prairie just a disaster for so many people that have spent so much time and money trying to qualify for the dream and for the canadian curling association they've got to figure out how the heck they're going to select a winner and then on top of all of that um we just got a 20 centimeter dump that we're digging out for just in time for an extreme warning extreme cold warning to come in for the next two weeks where it doesn't look like it's going to get much above minus 25 and at night, getting down into the mid minus thirties. Am I missing anything, Remus? Um, 
God, I don't, uh, I don't think so. I think you got it all, uh, all down pretty good. Yeah, I saw that um, mixed doubles. I was excited for that. It was taking place in the province. I guess they're just going to pick someone to go to the Olympics, assuming the Olympics, I mean, is still going on. But that was uh, super disappointing. I mean, they did have uh, also at IHF canceled that women's under 18 tournament, which caused a lot of uproar that, you know, they're letting the men's play through and they're canceling these, uh, these women. Well, listen, that is cherry picking a little bit because they canceled four events or sorry, six events, including a couple men's events. And, you know, this, and the teams had been in Edmonton since the 15th and they'd done the quarantine. So it's sort of apples and oranges. However, I mean, I think like most people, we realize that, um, you know, these girls should be given the opportunity to play. And if it's not next month, um, you know, like they did with the under 18s last year, they managed to move them. Didn't they do them down in Plano, Texas or something like that, where COVID doesn't exist? I'm not saying yes. you need to take it to a place where COVID, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here, doesn't exist. Uh, but there has to be a way to safely play this tournament at some point this year. And it really should be a priority, I think, for the double IHF. Now, it is complicated and, you know, I don't even weigh into these things on Twitter because you can, um, you, you know what I say, Remus, the, the motto for 2022 will be the same as 2021. DGC, don't get canceled. And yes. it can, you can often, you know, things can be taken the wrong way. Um, but I mean, you know, here in Canada and the United States, and I think both Canada and USA Hockey have both reached out to the IIHF looking to see if there's a way to still play this game. Now, whether they would have if, if there wasn't so much sort of public outrage and very prominent people from hockey, you know, saying as much, I don't know. We'll give them the benefit of the, benefit of the doubt. Um, but this was an event that was happening in Sweden. And with the exception of the World Championships and the World Juniors, when it is in Canada, uh, those are the events that make the money that pay for everything else. Um, so over the last couple of years, the IIHF, I think, has been like so many other organizations in a very, very difficult financial situation. And so much of it is put on the uh, shoulders of the host committee. And, um, and hey, listen, here in Winnipeg in 2007, we had an incredibly successful women's world championships. And I believe to that point, and maybe even still, that is the most successful event that they've had. Um, but they need, they need to have these events. and They need to have the opportunity for these young women to play. So, I mean, whether that is going kind of outside of the box and, you know, get bringing some corporate sponsors on that can sort of be champions of the event to make it happen. I'm not exactly sure, but this is a money thing um, as much as it is a safety thing. I think they knew that it was going to be very difficult to put these things on, but they didn't have a way out. They didn't have the money just to sort of do it at a later date, at least right now. I am pretty confident, though, that that will change. I mean, it's been very, very clear um, that, you know, what should happen, Reem. And Mm -hmm. I think that between a lot of the... um, a lot of the attention and the spotlight that's been put on this situation with the under 18 women's championships being canceled again. I do think that maybe this is the catalyst to get that champion, whether it be corporate or otherwise to step up and uh, ensure that the event can go on as forward. Because I mean, listen, the hockey's great and we're, you know, you get an opportunity to see some of the talk young women. Um, but this is not a, an event that fills stands. Um, it's not an event that at, at this point has really, I don't even know if it's been on TV before. They had like a fisheye camera in the building last year, which was absolutely embarrassing. 
Um, but it's highlighting some of the inequalities right now that certainly do need to be made up. But bottom line, for the women that the young the girls that were had an opportunity to play in this event, you really hope that at some point they will be able to uh, get on the ice, whether it's in a month, two months, three months, or heck, even in the summer. At some point, they should be playing these games. Yeah, uh, yeah, well said on that one, Huss. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens, but seemingly everything has being rescheduled and uh and canceled here so we will we will go but you know it's nice to see how what there was we had a good comment here from uh aj stewart in chat he says the one rainbow coming out of all this is that dave lowry the new jets head coach has all this additional practice time to uh i don't know i don't know what he's going to switch up systems test out some new lines um they're back on the ice they came back what sunday night neil pionk Played, uh, he got stuck at the border, so he just got back today. Never um, mind, stuck at the border. He yeah. apparently was like, I, I don't know whether he just showed up at the border uh, expecting that he could just get a test there. Um, but he had to go back to Grand Forks. I guess he couldn't find any rapid tests, and he ended up yeah. spending a couple nights in a hotel waiting yeah. to get his results before coming over. So maybe we'll get some Neil travel tips from Neil Pionk for people that are looking to cross the international border one way or the other, uh, some do's and don'ts to avoid waiting two days for your test before coming back to Canada. Yeah. I'm trying to look. So we did, a, but we did have some other NHL news. As you mentioned the, uh, the scheduling, the one positive that came out of the NHL. So they canceled all the games Monday, but putting in the taxi squads seemed to be a no brainer decision and allowing emergency call-ups here. I guess people weren't calling up players and playing with less than full rosters because of the salary cap, which seems insane to me, but I mean, they've got the taxi squad. The Jets have Hainala and Mikey Isomon. I know Dave Lowry said that they're going to use more veteran players, because last year Hainala was on the taxi squad for a while, and he I don't think that is... He the went best over a way. month without playing a yeah. game. So it seems like they're going to be doing uh, you know, maybe we'll see Austin Pogansi, Mikey Isomon, some of the uh, veteran guys. Nelson Noje. I think spent a lot of time there last year without playing. He's just, he didn't play a game. Yeah. So I he think, just, we'll, but hey, he got an NHL check. And for a guy at that point of his career, I'm sure he is more than happy to do that. Um, uh, but yeah, here, here are the temporary changes to the CBA. Um, and this was put out on Boxing Day right around the time when we found out, or, you know, I guess we found out that the game against the Wild on the 27th was canceled on, uh, on Christmas Eve. But the PA and the NHL announced the agreement on the temporary formation of taxi squads, as well as temporary changes to the CBA to address issues related to the COVID pandemic. Um, three more games were canceled, um, but here it is. The league and the NHLPA will, NHLPA will continue to monitor test results and teams' readiness to play over the coming days and weeks. A variety of factors will be considered when assessing whether a game should be postponed, including the number of players unavailable to a team due to COVID. The risk of further transmission within a team, the club's access to players from its minor league affiliate and positional rosters that may arise due to player shortages, amongst other factors. The health and safety of all players and club personnel remain the number one priority, and games will continue to be postponed to the extent health and safety concerns warrant. Um, so yes, the, the you know some of the crazy situations where we saw teams playing down guys will be avoided. And that is a good thing right now because, man, I don't know how many people are NBA fans uh, with us today on the podcast or in the chat, Reem, but what's going on in the NBA is an absolute joke. I mean, we were sort of, you know, 
kicking around. Oh, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, how about a 10-day NBA contract? Well, that's not even far from the truth right now. The Raptors apparently played a game last night against Cleveland. They lost like 144.99 or something like that. So they got absolutely humiliated. They had eight players, four of which were signed to 10-day deals. So essentially, these teams that are playing right now in legitimate NBA regular season games look nothing even close to legitimate NBA rosters. And I, I'm a little surprised they've continued just plowing forward the way that they had. I mean, they, I know they had the Christmas Day games, and Christmas Day is a massive, massive day for the NBA, and they didn't want to miss that out, miss the doubt the TV revenue. Um, but like so many other businesses, I mean, they're trying to keep the doors open and trying to keep the customers coming in and coming out albeit without anywhere close to all of their regular staff available. And uh, we're seeing it here on a micro level, just in Winnipeg and places like restaurants and, and bars that up until this point, many of them had to close because of positives or, um, you know, uh, quarantines among staff. Um, the NBA is keeping the doors open right now, but um, the product right now, very, very far from what you would normally expect from uh, the best league in professional basketball. Yeah, and I think we also saw that last night on Monday Night Football, Huss, with the Saints starting, what's that guy's name, Ian Book at quarterback? Ian Book. Who, who got sacked, what, at least seven times um, <laughs> and through, you know, pick six, interceptions. I think we're seeing this uh, across sports. I, I hopefully we don't have to deal with this too long, and I'm curious how it goes for the NHL. But as we mentioned, you know, gambling, uh, fantasy, sports teams just turned upside down because of players having to quarantine and positive tests. I know people don't want to come here and hear this, but uh, I mean, and here is the, the Winnipeg COVID talk. But I mean, it's unavoidable. Uh, when you look at the product and you're talking about cancel as well, sorry, postponed uh, Jets games as well. Uh, and oh, people are wrench, wrench user says in chat, um, Ken Weeb just broke some news on Twitter that he's also uh, on the COVID list. So we're sending uh, Ken, Ken our best as well. So, yeah, thoughts and prayers to our, uh, to our good friend, Ken Weeb. He, along with half of the city, as far as I can tell, has COVID-19, although, and I mean, not to make light of anything, um, but we're all numb to this at a certain point. I mean, now, I mean, the good thing is if you're vaccinated, if you've got your booster, um, you're not going to end up in the hospital, you might be sick for a couple days, but I mean, the big thing is not spreading this. So um, anyways, we're thinking about Weaver and everyone else that's affected by this, and hopefully we can get through these next couple of weeks, get asses back in seats down at Canada Life Centre, and, um, you know, and get these games played on with legitimate rosters, unlike we're seeing somewhere else. And as far as fantasy football, I, I, you notice that I did not mention that once so far in the first 20 minutes of the show. I have a feeling it will come up with our next guest. Um, but, you know, I talked about the extreme cold warning, COVID, everything. I purposely left out fantasy because I'm so depressed over what happened to me last week in a number of leagues in the playoffs that... I just didn't even want to go there. But uh, our, my friend, who also doubles as a very good commissioner, is coming up in just a second uh, to join us. Jamie Thomas, just around the way. Hey, um, uh, quickly, uh, Boxing Week is here. Um, and Boxing Day has expanded to Boxing Week. Um, and especially right now with people kind of wanting to avoid big crowds, it's important to, I think, give people quite a bit of options for these end-of-year sales. And our friends at F Apparel have one heck of a sale going on uh, down at 190 Smith Street. It's the F Apparel Boxing Week sale. Goes until Friday, December 31st. 
20% of your entire purchase in-store and online, as well as 50% off accessories like ties, tie clips, pocket squares, socks, etc. Um, we've got so many great things going on. And as I said, we are going to get through this. We'll have big events, that wedding you've been putting off, uh, the grad, all of those things. You're going to need a suit that fits and looks great. F Apparel custom suit starting at $400, as well as all the amazing sales going on this week at Boxing Day. Uh, pop down and see him, 190 Smith Street, or check him out online at fapparel.com. Uh, our friends at Vita Fresh Health, uh, Vita Health Fresh Market, are continue. They're getting ready for the new year, and I think this is a huge time for Vita Health. As uh, you know, many people looking to the new year to maybe start some, uh, you know, some new habits are going forward. But it, it's Double Customer Appreciation Month. Thursday and Friday this week. And you've got plenty of things that you can pick up. If you're thinking about doing a sober January, Vita Health has uh, incredible products, non-alcoholic beer from Sober Carpenter and Neil Brothers to Sobrew Elixirs, Boreal Botanicals, and Clever Mocktails. Um, might be a good way to enter in the new year. Get a few Sober Carpenters. Don't go crazy. We can't go out anyways on Friday night now. Um, and maybe there's some people that are trying Veganuary. What exactly means? That means going vegan for the month of January. Vita Health, great people and experts to talk to you about that decision. Uh, they carry so many plant-based and vegan products, Tofurky, Field Roast, Gardein, The Very Good Butchers, Light Life, Beyond Meat, and more. And of course, they're always stocked with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural grocery supplements and beauty products. That was seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, online at myvita.ca, and they're open up until 6 p.m. on Friday, December 31st, closed on New Year's Day, and back to regular hours next week. And while you're planning on uh, maybe cleaning out the system for the month of January, it all starts with being hydrated. And, of course, our friends at Culligan Water are the leaders in all things water. Um, they've got the December special right now. Culligan Water, $9.99 a month for the first three months. They've also got water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, citywide delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Celebrating 65 years in business, family owned here in Winnipeg, it's Culligan Water, 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180, online at drinkculligan.com. All right, let's, uh, let's check in with the Jets. There has been a lot going on over the last couple of weeks, although not as much as we've expected because we've been missing all these hockey games. Uh, but to uh, discuss everything happening around the hockey club, uh, our good friend Jamie Thomas of, of Jets Radio 680 CGOB joins us now. JT, uh, how are you doing? How was your, how was your Christmas? Um, We'll get to fantasy football later yeah. on because I, I'm again. I'm trying to keep this upbeat. I don't want to. I don't want to break into tears right in the you middle. You lost of to a 14 year old, buddy. That's all. I, I lost to a 14 year old. Is that who it was? I I, I wasn't sure who my uh, who my opponent was, but um, you lost yeah, to my kid. Yeah. Well, Ricky Seals Jones. Ricky Seals Jones with his 0.4 performance in place of Travis Kelsey. One of the more yeah. infamous moments in my long illustrious fantasy career. But uh, let me. Ask ask you man it's been a wild couple of weeks mm. i mean you know we are still not yet two weeks removed from i mean probably maybe the most biggest story biggest news day in jets 2.0 history um with paul Maurice stepping down um right. and then you go into a period where you're missing games a break more missed games i mean what have the last couple of weeks been like around the club for someone like you 
pretty boring. <laughs> you know, you just got after the news broke that Paul Maurice was uh, stepping down as head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. There's that whole whirlwind, I imagine, for you as well, right? And the Jets play a couple of games. Uh, they get that big win over St. Louis, and you feel pretty good about where everything's going. Then all the sh- the cancellation, or sorry, postponement. Let's use that term, postponement, not cancellation of games coming up here is kind of dried things up a little bit. And I love I love the media here. You're always looking for something. Thank goodness Neil Pionk made it to practice today. So that's another subject you can cross off the list instead of having to fabricate a story. But you know, it it Christmas is it was nice to kind of have a down period and be able to spend time with family without too much stress going on. So to answer your question in a long-winded way, which is what I traditionally do, it's been pretty dry, but it's just nice to be back to practice. I'm glad we can do what we're allowed to do, you know, do for a living instead of being locked out or anything like that. And uh, just fortunate to to still be working. Well, you know what, amen to that. And uh, we hope we'll get back to, um, you know, having games first and foremost, and then getting some butts and seats in the area. And hopefully that will happen in a few weeks. Uh, but listen, before we get all that to like the right and here and now, take us back to um, two Fridays ago. Um, wh- how stunned were you when you heard the, the news that Paul Maurice was resigning as head coach of the of the Jets? And in the time since you've been with the club since then, um, mm-hmm. how have things changed? Tell us a little bit about Dave Lowry. I mean, you're closer to him than most others are. I mean, uh, yeah. fill us in on how, how that change has, because uh, I mean, we only had a couple games since then. And of course, they finished up with a win against St. Louis, uh, but mm-hmm. it's been quiet since then. Absolutely. Uh, I was stunned. I was sorry, and I'm ashamed to tell people I was looking at my phone while driving to the rink that day. But, you know, we tend to do that. And I saw the news break that uh, Paul Maurice was stepping down. I, I, I'm still a little stunned about the whole thing, uh, even about even after his news conference uh, where he explained why what his decision was. I, I'm still a little taken aback by it because you're just you know, that's. I've worked in Calgary and Edmonton. Craig McTavish had a pretty long stretch with the with the Oilers, so it, it's similar to that. But when when Mac T stepped down, you kind of saw that coming, or was let go of his job. Paul Maurice, I didn't see it coming. So um, respect the guy, respect his decisions, uh, and then to ask answer about Dave Lowry, I think it, the benefit of this is Dave was on the staff. We've been around him enough. We've seen him at the junior level. Uh, I was around the Flames a lot when he was an assistant coach there too. I remember when he was with the Calgary Hitman as well. So I, I you know, I know Dave pretty well. Um, so there, I, I don't think there's been that much of a change. The only thing that the change is obvious is the the answers are not as long um, when we when he asks questions. Um, I imagine from a media perspective, but I still think the message is the same. You know, today there was more reiteration of. They got to get to the net a lot more, but that's what Paul Maurice was trying to drive home before he stepped down as well, right? It's it's a lot easier without cross-checking to get to the front of the net. Uh, we all know what the Jets' issues were in that series against the Montreal Canadiens uh, when they were eliminated in four games. They just could not get to the front of the net, get any type of traffic in front of Carey Price. So this is this is nothing new, but it just seems like they're trying to hammer it home a little bit more from a media perspective and um, I think we're seeing a little bit more of that, but Dave, Dave is, is great. We've, we've only had one broadcast meeting with them cause we didn't have a broadcast meeting with them the day of the announcement cause just to get his footing and to, to let it sit in a little bit, but it, it's, it's, it hasn't been that big of a change in my opinion. Um, I still think it's the same group, still the same message. But as Paul Marie said, just a different voice sending that message. You, um, you're as close to uh, the team as anyone um, mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. is a part of the media. Um, right. 
I mean, I don't know. I was at the game on the Friday night. And it still sort of looked like, I mean, listen, the fans were stunned. And I think the players were somewhat stunned too. I, agree. I mean, that, that, that looked like a team that was still wrapping their heads around everything that had happened. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a better performance on Sunday and one that this club absolutely needed, especially when those other games were canceled. And yeah. you know, at least you're going into the holidays on a, uh, on a break, but um. But what's the atmosphere been like? I mean, are, are things at all different? I mean, you've been around practices. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 put it this way. If you were someone that were following the team on a daily basis under Paul Maurice over the last month and then went to the practice the last couple of days, would anything stick out different to you? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, maybe the drills are a little bit different here and there. But, I, you know, I guess when you're already part of the staff, you're, there's an idea you understand you're not bringing a new system. And I could, you can understand why Dave's not trying to change, you know, re, reinvent the wheel here. Uh, the, the, the practices have been loose, but that being said, Hustler, like they haven't been any games to really focus in on, but there's that consistent get to the front of the net. There's been a lot of, you know, yesterday there was a great drill where they're doing the shootout and, and on one side of the, of the rink, you know, the, the players that believe the guy that was doing going the shootout was going to score, they would stay there. And the guys that didn't think he was going to score going the other side. So if whoever won, either side of the decision would have to skate. So uh, I, I haven't seen that. That was a pretty unique drill. So who knows if that was player driven or not, but it, th- those types of little things I've seen, it looks like a team is having fun during a time. That's not a whole lot of fun. Uh, the idea of playing in Canada life center without fans, although it's not, hasn't happened yet. Uh, doesn't enamor anybody. Right. And I remember Paul Marie saying, what was the sense of last year? And I kind of agree with them. It was just that artificial way of, Having to come up with ways to get yourself pumped up for a game is gets old real fast. And uh, fortunately, the Jets haven't had to do that yet this year. But it's it's been pretty loose so far. But business like structure going on right now, and I'm hoping that this game Friday against Calgary is going to happen, which looks which it looks like it will, and we can start talking about what happened after a game. Yeah, no doubt. Not to mention, um, you've got an entire city that's either locked down, quarantined, something, or, or frankly, just quarantined because it's going to be minus thirty for the next couple of weeks. It would right. be nice to at least be able to watch something on the television, have something to talk about yeah, as totally. we uh, as we get in. Uh, Jamie, what do we know about these games? I mean, you know, I'll tell you what. I mean. This was a huge stretch for the Winnipeg Jets, and we talked yes. about it last week going into that game against St. Louis. Where all of a sudden, you know, the Jets hadn't played very well over the course of the month. Um, they'd seen their stock drop precipitously within the division. You're going in games against Dallas, Nashville, Minnesota, Chicago, all postponed. Um, yeah. I'll say this. I mean, maybe from a fan's perspective, I mentioned to Remus earlier that, you know, Friday was going to be pretty dead without the NHLers going to the Olympics. Um, I presume that these games will be made up at that point. Is that what we're expecting? And uh, tell you what, you're going to have all, it'll be like a playoff type feel when you're going into a meat grinder of four games against division rivals, considering I think everyone agrees this race is probably going to come right down to game 82. Yeah, uh, I think Dennis Bayak was scheduled to go to Mexico in February. I don't think that trip's happening. So, oh, poor Dennis. <laughs> I know. He's going to be if, sour. If there's anybody out there deserves a Mexican holiday, it is Dennis Bayak. I don't think that's going to be happening. So, so it, it's my expectation, understanding that, you know, clearly the month of February is going to be used uh, with the not going to the Olympics as a place to make up all these games. But that being said, depends on billing availability, what gets postponed, what gets canceled in terms of concerts, uh, moose games, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, where my, from a league perspective, 
I don't know how Los Angeles and the Rangers are going to be able to redo their games with how busy their buildings are uh, on a nightly basis throughout that month. But from a Jets perspective, I, I can't see how those games aren't made up in February. Um, and you try to not stack up as many games as possible in March and April. That, those months were pretty stocked up for with games anyways. Where it gets complicated to me is availability of the other teams that are supposed to come here, their schedules, uh, how their buildings all play out in this whole thing. So, the, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't envy the NHL schedule maker at all. Um, with before this coming in, and it's going to be extra challenging for that person as we go forward here. Yeah, and, and of course, I mean, incredibly disappointing for many of the uh, NHLers, but specifically the Winnipeg yeah. Jets that are going to miss their opportunity to play in the Olympics. We heard from Connor Hellebuck before the uh, break going in. And, uh, you know, it was interesting seeing Nikolai Ehlers, I guess, yesterday talking about, um, you know, a bunch of things that, you know, was excited. He was happy. And then you asked the, they asked him the question about the Olympics. And I mean, it was just a complete 180. I mean, you can really see how incredibly disappointed he was and his, his case is special in that, you know, he was a huge part of a team that qualified for the Olympics for the first time. His dad's the head coach. He is the star player. Mm -hmm. um, and of, of everyone, I feel for Nikolai Ehlers the most because I think what he and his teammates did um, had the potential of really making a sea change for Danish hockey. Yeah, and you, it's about building the game. And like even the fact that they're still going to go, not, not with Nikolai Ehlers, of course, it, it will be a great building moment for the entire nation. And, and of course, his dad has been building that uh, as the head coach of the program for a long time now. I feel for him too, right? It's, you know, it's a long understanding of people that have been watching sports and listening to sports for a long time that I think the Olympics, they're special to our country. I'm not going to take away from that. They're special to the Americans. But I think there's this little something special when it comes to European players about the World Hockey Championships and, of course, uh, the Olympic Games themselves. But the way that they qualified and, you know, they missed out the, the previous cycle before, um, it's it's got to be disappointing for him. And Nick Ehlers is a pretty young guy. I imagine that hopefully he'll have another chance at it. But, uh, you know, I feel for, you know, Connor Hellebach, who knows how that well, that's going to work. And I understand his comments in, in a way, right? It, it, it may have trickled some people a little bit differently, but it's a guy that's maybe thinking of this as this is his one chance. You never know what, how things are going to go in four years. So I can understand how he vented his frustrations where it might not have been as popular for everybody. But I appreciate people that are honest about how they feel about this stuff instead of saying what everybody wants them to say in this situation. Yeah, no kidding. I didn't have any issue yeah. with it. I, I did not I, either. I think it was completely... You would be mad too. Anybody would be mad about it. Like that. there's just... A, yeah. I, whatever the situation, it is a unique tournament that not many people get to go to over their careers and you never know when that next chance comes up again and who knows what's coming down in 2026 at this point yeah no i mean listen the, the whole situation sucks i think everyone's dealing it with it as they are and uh and you know what hey here's the thing if you don't want to know about how someone really feels about something don't ask them I, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. and especially when we're talking about these sort of issues that can some. I mean, it's crazy to me that this entire pandemic has taken on political tones. I mean, that's one yeah. thing I think we'll look back 10 and 15 years down the road and just say, what the hell was going on with it? I mean, that, that's, that's my take. <laughs> what away is from going it. on? That's everything. Um, but I mean, listen, there's a lot of people and I'm not going to suggest that it's the majority or minority, but I mean, I think you've got people that are really extreme on the right, people really extreme on the left, and the vast majority of us are right in the middle, just trying mm -hmm. to get through day by day, deal with it. And people have their own opinions. Bottom line is, 
follow the rules, do what's best for you and your community, and hopefully we'll get out of this damn thing sooner yeah. as opposed to later. Well, speaking of getting through this, um, one of the things that has taken place right now is the addition of the taxi squad. Um, yeah. Billy Hanel is there. Mikey Isimont's there. I mean, what has Dave Lowry said about how they're going to use this right now? And Hanel is very interesting, um, particularly because of you know how talented a player he is. Many people would love to see him get a shot in the lineup. But I think one thing that everyone agrees with, uh, you know, a situation like last year where he spent a month in the press box not playing games, not ideal for his development. And um, they've said part of the reason why he's been with the Moose is they want him to play games and they want him to play a lot. How do you see this shaking out? Is this temporary? Will he actually play some games in the National Hockey League, Jamie? Or uh, in particular, when it comes to Hanelon? And then maybe beyond that, how do you think the Jets are going to handle this, um, knowing that the Moose are here in Winnipeg, unlike most NHL teams? Yeah, I, I think I'll address with Billy Hanelon first. It is of the utmost importance, as you said, that he plays games. Um, I understand people's excitement to see Billy play games in the National Hockey League, but what's best for him, I believe, and I'm sure lots of other people do within the organization, is that he plays and isn't sitting watching at the most time, and that place is with the Manitoba Moose. We have seen the Jets touching wood right now stay away from the injury bug for the most part on the blue line. It is very hard for me to say that Billy Hainala should play in front of anybody in the Jets' top six or even in front of Nathan Beaulieu right now. So um, if somebody gets hurt, I see Villa Hainala slotting in. I think he'll be fine. But unless that, that that situation changes, I think he'll be watching. And then, you know, when the Moose get back to playing, does he, he, he'll he likely go back, right? So it's just, to me, he'll, he'll be playing. And the taxi squad is going to be fascinating. I'm sure it won't be as painful as it was last year for most of the players because the Moose are, are around. Uh, and we'll be in action. Touching wood again, that happens. Um, so uh, I think this is just going to be on an injury basis. And, of course, our good friend COVID-19 will have a large say in how this this all plays out. But today, you know, we are, it's clarified that Nathan Beaulieu will likely play in the fourth line when the Jets play on Friday in Calgary. Uh, he did a little bit of that whenever the Jets played 11 and 7 and, and is, is comfortable in that process. So it's... Uh, Let's just see how this all crazy. We, I, I hope we don't have to talk about who's going to be playing because of COVID nineteen. Let's stay away from that. Let's just stay with the guys that are in the roster, and then we can talk about when you know uh, Vesselinen comes back and Cop come back in the lineup. That's that's what we hope to be talking about here in the, in the next little bit. Speaking of those guys, I mean, uh, any update on uh, where they're at? I mean, they went into the protocol before Christmas, so I guess we're now pretty much at about a week for those individuals. First and mm -hmm. foremost, do we know? I mean, how are they doing? Um, and uh, I guess. What are they planning on? When do they expect to see these guys back in the mix for the club? And does that potentially include Friday's game? Well, I, I haven't heard too much. They, there wasn't much mention about that, Hustler, about uh, the availability of for Friday. I think there's what we saw today in practices. I think that's going to be the team that we see. Now, What does it mean they're coming on the trip? I'm not sure how exactly how that all works out because uh, do they fly separately? But I think once you clear COVID protocol, obviously you're going to be able to uh, travel with the team. So let's, let's just... Uh, hold off on that one for a little bit, but man, it's what, what an addition those two players are going to be when they get back. And it is a long road trip. It's stretched out over a considerable amount of time. So I can't see how, you know, Andrew Kopp and Christian Veselainen don't join up for the rest of that road trip. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that will be a, a nice boost to get back in. And then mm -hmm. I guess Blake Wheeler's the other uh, story that, I mean, I know we haven't had like a clear timeline on him, although considering the way it looked after that game in Vancouver, mm -hmm. where, I mean, he was without a doubt, the most dominant we've looked at any point this season, or the captain has looked at any point this season, yeah. gets that knee injury. Um, 
Positive on the side is it doesn't look like there'll be any sort of surgery, uh, but I guess right now very unclear as to when he'll resume skating and when he could potentially be back in the jet lineup. Yeah, that's that's pretty unclear at this point. But, you know, if there's anybody we can look at at working his way back quicker than expected, it's, it's the captain. Um, and I agree with you. That's the most disappointing part about in this entire season. Hustler is just Wheeler was looking like the player that we all know that he is. And I know there's a bunch of people out there that think he's not that player anymore. I think he still is. He's played through tremendous amounts of injuries. He played through, you know, working his way through COVID at the beginning part of the year. That guy that we saw in Vancouver was what I believe Blake Wheeler still is at this time in his career. So I, you know, the competitor that he is, I think he'll be back sooner rather than later, but um, it's still disappointing to me because that top line was just starting to dominate games again that we hadn't seen in a long time. And I know the question was, why were they brought back together? It was for that reason. Uh, they were, they were starting to take over games um, and for good long stretches too. So it's, it's still, that's to me is the one dis biggest disappointment this year uh, over top of postponements. Cause those games will be played at some point, but uh, having Blake Wheeler step out uh, and considering where he was getting his game back to, was the biggest disappointment. Well, so you know, far. the funny thing about this is, and this will be uh, something for us to kick around on this program. And, you know, in, yeah. uh, you know, when we're talking with friends for the next couple of weeks um, before Wheeler does come back is that when he does come back into the lineup, where does he go? <laughs> um, because I mean, since, I mean, since that game against Buffalo and then the subsequent resignation of Paul Maurice, they had already changed those lines. Now Wheeler wasn't in the mix at that point, but mm -hmm. I, I think anyone that's you know the watch so far realizes that I mean maybe for the first time, and I'm not sure why it maybe didn't click as well as it didn't at times before. But Shifley and Ehlers playing together is a pretty pretty dynamic pair of um, you know of players, and you know regardless of who is on the other side, it's probably yes. not Wheeler playing on the right. Um, I, I, in fact, I think it's more likely that he ends up on the side of Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor, to be honest, coming back because of what we've seen in a short bit between Shifley and Ehlers. But I think big picture, if this team is going to be the contender that we all thought, having Ehlers in a very important, prominent role, I think, is something that um, that they need to have happen. And um, certainly he stepped up in a big way. The two games since Paul Maurice left, I mean, he was the most dynamic player. And certainly if you dug a little bit more into the numbers, was the most dangerous Winnipeg jet player offensively yeah and that's maybe that's where we're going to see where the opinion lies between dave lowry and paul maurice with the with wheeler shifley and connor does he go back to them when things aren't going well how much more you know opportunities does he give to nikolai ehlers that's the stuff we're going to be watching for when blake wheeler comes back but i agree if things are going the way that they are right now and shifley and ehlers continue to work so well together i think it's hard to see anybody uh, separating that duo and man like I would pay to watch Wheeler with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor as well too so if so that's but how how quickly does Blake Wheeler get back to where he was before to be as effective as he was before the injury yeah well and that's the <laughs> other thing and I mean I've got a lot of time for considering Wheeler with Cop and Lowry I mean I, well, I, I'll say this I love Cop and Lowry being back together and, and I understood why that wasn't the case earlier on, but I don't think there's any doubt that th there was a real identity lacking of that third line that we had really become accustomed to over the past few mm -hmm. years. And I mean, it's not like Cobb's going to be complaining about ice time or anything like that. He's no. playing on the power play. He's a very important penalty killer. And the bottom line is when those guys are together on that line, and we saw it the way Dave Lowry was rolling them out, they're getting the top matchups against other clubs. And 
you know, for the first month, two months of the season, that really wasn't the case. They were using those top lines against them, and sometimes it went well, sometimes it didn't. But to me, if if the head coach has the confidence of putting out their third line, if you want to call it, I'm using air yeah. quotes here, up against yeah. the top team, top lines on the other club, especially on home ice, that just you know I mean, gives the Winnipeg Jets far more opportunity to, uh, I think, get more and spend more time in the offensive zone for the number one and number two lines uh, centered by Dubois and Shifley. Right. It's all about who cut, what, what time they come over the bench, right? It's exactly what you're getting at too. So, and it's, and what an option it is because I still love Andrew Kopp bristling last year when asked about that line being a checking line. And he, you know, it was around that time he had scored four goals against the Vancouver Canucks and he was, we're not <laughs> a checking line. Essentially they are, and they're great at what they do, but they can still do great things at the other end of the ice. And you're right. It's it's if you have those three lines, including the Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry combination um, going, I think the Jets are going to be in a much better place, especially when they start getting to more division games uh, in March and likely February as we as we talk about things right now. Hey, let me ask you this. Let's just assume Wheeler's out for a while and he's not part of this conversation. Yeah. Um, and Kopp and Veselainen come back in. Um, you know, Cop presumably, um, you know, ends up in the top, or sorry, Cop will be back with Lowry. Um, you've got Stastny playing with Shifley and Ehlers. I don't think that changes. Harkins today in practice was playing with Dubois and Connor. Um, who do you think is the best fit with Cop and Lowry? Is it Harkins or is it Veselina? I'll, I'll be honest. I think Jansen Harkins in a short amount of time, or maybe this dates back to all the time he worked with Dave Lowry doing extra work, but right. it seems to me, and again, two games he's coached already, but he's been very, very uh, open to the idea of Jansen Harkins maybe playing higher up in the lineup, and uh, with the buzz that he has and the tenacity that he plays with, mm -hmm. I've got a lot of time for him getting an opportunity with Cop and Lowry on that checking line. Yeah, and I and I also understand where the organization is in giving Christian Veselainen a chance and continuing to hope that he built and bonds and builds on his game a lot. I think there's been a lot of growth in him, but the potential with Jansen Harkins there and the tenacity that he has on the ice, and if he gets comfortable there and knowing that he's staying there all the time, I think we're going to some, see some massive growth in his game too. Outside of the fact that he has a great opportunity in the top six right now, I would love to see him there as well. It's, that is no knock on Christian Veselainen. Because as I said, I think he's still getting better and better all the time. But man, the, the way Jansen was playing those la that last week or so and the way he's been grinding uh, at both ends of the rink, I think he'd be a perfect fit there as well. Uh, so Neil Pionk reemerged today. Uh, yeah. He, he had, fill our listeners in on what he's been going through for the last couple of days as he tried to rejoin his team. Was he unaware of the testing processes <laughs> to get into the country of Canada? I don't want to say he was unaware. It's just probably a lot more complicated than people think it is, right? So, <laughs> you you know, as a member of the team, you're getting tested all the time anyway. So then there's you fill out the, all these documents and you're being guided by the team services guy, Chris Kraviasek, who's a wizard at his, at his gig. So there's all that help that way. So maybe there was a little misunderstanding in some ways. But, man, you know, you do you do the great thing. You you drive yourself to, to go visit family. I think he speaking with Neil on one of our road trips, the Jets road trips, and, you know, this is the first time him and his family had been together with all his brothers and stuff, right? So it was, it was a very important Christmas, a special one for him. Uh, so that opportunity uh, with coming back didn't help things very much. So you got to feel for him. Um, it, it is not easy getting back into our country. It's not easy leaving our country right now. Uh, so, he, you know, he had, a, he had a big smile on his face. And 
I'm sure he got needled by the guys in the dressing room as he got back today, probably uh, about missing practice on purpose and stuff like that. Yeah, so, well, they said, uh, you know, how yeah, was his extra yeah. vacation? I'm sure yeah. sitting I'm sure sitting in that. Oh, you're at the border. Yeah, I yeah. Get in. yeah, there's nothing better than sitting at a comfort inn for two days in Grand yeah. Forks waiting for a COVID test. I'm not sure that on the top of my list qualifies as vacation. Uh, yeah. But uh, Jamie, <laughs> Jamie Thomas is with us from uh, Jets Radio 680 CJOB Jets. Right now, scheduled to play the Calgary Flames on New Year's Eve. And man, just thinking about this, like when was the last time the Calgary Flames played a game? <laughs> it's oh. like the, the beginning of the month. But they're all healthy. They're all yeah. out of COVID protocol. So that's the one thing you do know. So it, it almost feels, it has that feel to it that the way, you know, when Winnipeg went there at the end part after getting beating, getting beat badly by the Minnesota Wild and they were limping into Calgary. And I'm not saying they're limping in this time, but they're missing some people. And Calgary's well rested. This has that feel of that one. This this to me feels like a game where Connor Hellebuck's going to have to be as good as he was that night because you're going to have a lot of guys chomping at the bit to get back on the ice. But it, it feels like forever that we've even talked about the Calgary Flames outside of guys going to COVID protocol. So it's uh, it has an interesting flair to it. And I still have memories. I'm trying to think. I think it was January 1st, though. I remember when Blake Wheeler won the, the shootout in Calgary. I think it was a 2-1 game, and it was such a huge win for the club. But uh, it, it, it'll, it'll be a fantastic game because you're going to have two well-rested hockey clubs getting back together. It might be a little bit choppy to start, but I think it'll be something special by once things get rolling about the second period. Yeah, well, dude, I, I think this game is going to have a little bit of a, a feel of like the opening game last year when there was no yeah. preseason. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. I mean, these teams have been a bit off. There's been a little bit of break in time. They've been doing a bunch of practicing, but they have not played a game for a while, and that's even yeah. longer for the Calgary Flames. All that being said for the Winnipeg Jets, and I think it's been pretty clear in and around it while it's been fun at practice, they realize that they they have to resume this season with that same element of urgency that they went into that game against St. Louis because, um, you know, a lot of the good things they did in that first, that great, you know, franchise best start of nine, three and three has sort of been, uh, been paid back over the last little bit. And, you know, as we were talking about these divisional games, um, you know, there's no time to kind of, you know, ease into things for the first week or two. I mean, uh, every point so absolutely crucial, um, especially when you think about, you know, just how good this division is right now and how many teams seem to be in the mix. Yeah, and Chicago's getting their act to get together as well. After the coaching change, they look a lot better. And Marc-Andre Fleury looks a lot more comfortable uh, between the pipes, which is such a huge game changer for them. It, yeah, it, it is the season is restarting in some senses, but it's not the way it was last January, where it was that 56-game grind and you're just get you've been waiting. Uh, there's games have already been played, and some teams are starting to show themselves as Stanley Cup threats, and others aren't at this point. So you want you're a Winnipeg Jet fan or a member of the Jets, you, you you need to get things going here. And it's it is it is not is a daunting road trip to say the least. I know the Arizona Coyotes are mixed in there at some point, but you know, Vegas is in there and Calgary to start things off. That's a pretty good hello, wake wake time to wake up kind of thing right now to start things off in that road trip. Hey Jamie, I've got to ask you, and this is not a hockey question per se, but I mean awesome. uh, you know, being a member of the organization, mm -hmm. uh, and I've said this a number of times, I mean, having started my uh run through this business doing ticketing and ticket sales i could not even i had people asking me well what are they going to do going to half fans and i could yeah. not even begin to wrap my head around the logistical nightmare that that presented for the club now at the end um you know i think a lot of it was all for naught because none of these games are being played with fans and they'll be made up hopefully with a full building later on this year 
Yeah. Uh, but did you talk to anyone in the organization? I'm just wondering what that gang was going through right now. Because I was I was thinking about them through that weekend right before Christmas, having to deal with that. And certainly mm-hmm. it's not just here in Winnipeg, some other areas as well. But um, man, what a bomb to get dropped on a bunch of people just before you're getting ready to uh, take a few days off with friends and family. Yeah, and I think I had member talk, I talked to a member of the moose ticketing department uh, right before any of the cancellations or postponements had started, and, and he looked pretty stressed. And that was before there was just the rumblings of stuff going on right now. I imagine the only people that feel worse were the people, the ticketing staff for the Montreal Canadiens with the, during that that day where they played the Philadelphia Flyers <laughs> in the province of Quebec. Just said, "Hey, you're not having fans tonight." that's pretty much the worst case scenario for anybody in that department. So yeah, it's, it, it is a challenge for um, the club, the organization, uh, true North, of course itself. Um, I don't envy anybody having to make those phone calls and telling people they can't go to the game. Um, you know, there's lots of grumbling on social media, but the, you know, our ticketing staff are good people. Um, they are been put into a very tough decision, uh, tough position. And, uh, I hope that people out there give them a, cut them a little bit of slack because it's yeah. not easy on them either. No, uh, no, for sure. And again, it. you know, a lot of it was sort of all for naught. I mean, people's complaints yeah. about whatever it was. I mean, what the hell are you supposed to do? I mean, you've they got have, a no, full building no. and you can only put in 75. So, I mean, I thought the way that they did handle it. I mean, I know I'm a season ticket holder. I got a thing. Hey, this yeah. is the way it's working. You get to go to two games and you're losing two games. Um, yeah. And now fingers crossed, as I said, when they are able to reschedule these games and subsequent home games, Hopefully, we'll all be able to use our tickets. And again, that's not up to any of us right now. It's more the people down on Broadway. Um, So we'll do that. Jamie Thomas is with us. All right. Got a couple minutes. I have to ask you, taking your (laughs) Jets radio hat off and your commissioner, has there ever (laughs) been a more ridiculous, disastrous ending to a fantasy season than what we are going through right now with, uh, and this is not my situation. I mean, I may have gone over in all my semis on the weekend, I yeah. will not blame COVID, COVID for it, but holy smokes. I mean, you know, they're still playing these games, um, mm-hmm. but it seems like every single week, I mean, like Rima said, you better be checking your lineup 10 minutes before you're going in. Yeah. Um, you know, credit to them for getting the games off. And, you know, they've got the rules that are maybe a little bit different and a little bit more conducive to having players play if they're not mm-hmm. symptomatic. But, um, I mean, I just think about what we've been through for the last couple of weeks, and hopefully this is the last time we'll be dealing something because, I mean, it's about as much of a crapshoot as there's ever been when it comes to fantasy sports. Yeah, well, you lose a game based on the fact of a COVID. Uh, a guy can't come out of COVID protocol, right? That, that's there at the, at the, Especially at this time, the fantasy playoffs, I can understand where people are frustrated. Uh, I understand. I love the fact that the NFL has just decided, let's go. We're going to keep going here no matter what, who's in, the, who's wearing a uniform right now. Um, that's probably the way they should do it. But I mean, I can't, I don't, it is a unique time for all of us to have to make decisions and commissioners, anybody that runs the league, you're waiting for that email from whatever platform, Yahoo, CBS sports, fan tracks, you're waiting for all those. How are we going to address this? And the, you know, the one league that we do run with the 32 teams, you're just, you, you have angry owners texting you all the time. What, how are we going to do this? Especially when we're running full 53-man rosters. It has been lights on at all times for us in the, the administration office because of who's going to be in the lineup, uh, scouts having to send players to teams. It's just It has been insane with the way things have been going. And I can only imagine the headache that's going to come in our league uh, when we do our fantasy football playoffs, uh, starting with the wild card round in the NFL. 
Yeah, no, exactly. And um, and I'll tell you what, I mean, one of the other things, um, you know, it forced a lot of people to actually watch that football game last night between the Saints yeah. and the Dolphins. Oh, <laughs> is there, oh my God. Dude, dude, like I love the Dolphins more than anything, but I the fact that they're even in a playoff conversation right now is so embarrassing. For they won seven in a row. League. I don't care. Like they're that offense. I love Tua to death. But that offensive line is in shreds. It's like a, the only person he throws the ball to is Jalen Waddle, his former teammate at the University of Alabama. That's the only place he looks all the time. It is a farce if they make it. I love them to death, and it's the first time since 2008. I'm thrilled for the organization if they make it. But that's embarrassing that they're going to be one of the seven teams that gets in at this point. And the fact that the entire AFC North is in the conversation right now is another thing that I have complete issue with the National Football League. Well, think about think about this. I mean, they lost seven in a row. They're the first team yeah. ever in NFL history to lose seven in a row and win seven in a row in the same season. They started yes. off with that win. Patriots turn it over on the final drive. They get the win on the road, follow it up with seven straight losses, and then beat the Texans, the Ravens, the Panthers, yep. the Giants, yes. the Jets twice, and the Saints last night with Ian Book starting. So, I mean... Well, the schedule is not exactly daunting, though. <laughs> so, if you look at all those wins, you're always looking for quality wins. The Dolphins have maybe one, and that's because the, the rookie quarterback uh, was starting for the other team. JT, thanks for doing this, man. You have a great one. Uh, be well. Hopefully, everyone will continue to be well. We'll get some players back and actually get a game to talk about on Friday night heading into the new year. Yeah, let's cross our fingers, buddy, because we need something else to talk about at this point. <laughs> right on. Thanks, pal. <laughs> See you, man. All right, there's Jamie Thomas of 680 CGOB Jets Radio. Uh, all right, we're going to get to some World Junior talk in just a second. Um, folks, I've been telling you for a couple months it was coming, and now it's here. Our first extreme cold warning of the year. Um, people's cars are getting plugged in, and they're still not starting. And there's one group that can help you out. And that, of course, is the experts at Manitoba Battery. Can't imagine how busy they are today. And it's not for any sort of boxing day. It's because uh, batteries are going out. Uh, to avoid this happening to you, give them a call. 783-8787 over at Manitoba Battery or see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. And if you want to just pop in, they'll check your battery free of charge. And if you do need one, they've got the best prices in town. 89.50 with core exchange down at the gang at Manitoba Battery. Find out more at manitobabattery.com. And while you're there, maybe pick up a good pair of booster cables as well uh, because God knows we're going to need them. Um, Boxing Day is here. The Boxing Week sale is on over at Royal Sports. Um, man, the place was busy heading into Christmas, and why wouldn't it be? It's the greatest store for any sports fan, whether you're playing or just sitting in the stands. Amazing, incredible selection of Winnipeg Jets gear. And of course, Bomber Grey Cup merchandise as well, flying off the shelves. Um, but no matter what team you support, Royal Sports probably has some great merchandise for it. And of course, check out all the great deals over on the Kings Skate, Snow, and Surf side this week as well. It's all happening over at 750 Pembina Highway. And a big shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp. Thinking about making a change in the new year? How about a new ride? And if you're thinking about a new vehicle, before you do anything, you're going to want to check out the incredible deals and vehicles on the lot over at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGillivray. I know they had about 30 Teslas uh, heading into the Christmas season. Uh, but you can find out more online at not.ca. Pop down and visit them at Waverly and McGillivray and make sure to check out the new 
Winnipeg uh, Car Lab as well. Get in the lab, striping, tinting, rims, full custom vehicle wraps, and more, all available over at the Winnipeg Car Lab. Uh, all right, we have more to get to. Mike McIntyre is going to join us a little bit later on in the program. We'll get a little holiday check-in from our guy, Mike. But um, lots going on with the World Junior Hockey Championships, although not as much as we'd hoped for because we already have a game that has been kiboshed today between the U.S. and Switzerland. Let's talk about it right now with the Director of Film Scouting and Lord of Fantasy Hockey over at Elite Prospects, Cam Robertson. Cam, what's up? Best of the season to you, man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, I appreciate it, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Um, you know... Listen, I guess we should be thankful that this tournament is even happening right now because um, there's a lot of other things that haven't been happening, and that involves most hockey games so far. But I imagine for anyone, whether you're working for the event, whether you're covering the event, whether you're a fan, a little chilling this morning when we found out the news regarding Team USA and a game being forfeited at the World Juniors. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, it's definitely concerning. And with the way things have been going the last two years, I think everyone's pretty confident that this won't be the only domino to fall throughout this event, unfortunately. So, um, you know, they did they did it last year in the bubble and it worked out pretty well. They're hoping to be able to do it at full capacity this year. Uh, you know, as we know that they cut that in half in the days leading up to it. Um, I had my credentials uh, didn't get through because of spacing issues that they were trying to keep things smaller. Uh, but unfortunately, we, we've got a, a positive test. And I, it, by the sounds of it, it's a net for the Americans, uh, maybe multiple goaltenders, which really threw it a wrench in their plans to try to just play through if they can. Um, fingers crossed that that USA Sweden game can go uh, later on this week and, and that we can just get get through this and that, you know, hopefully the, the Americans don't lose their spot in the event or that it doesn't get passed on. They, they, you know, they played Slovakia a couple of days ago, so we'll be waiting to see if any positive cases come out of that. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely not uh, what you want to see early on in, in this event. Let's focus in on, on Canada right off the bat, Cam. Um, you know, Hockey Canada, at least when they're hosting the event, they sort of have the control of the schedule. They always try and start the game, the, the tournament off with a, a relatively good challenge. Maybe not the biggest one, but you know, the checks for that team. And tell you what, bit of a wake up call for a lot of people that thought this was just going to be a cakewalk. If you turned on the game a little bit late and saw Canada down 3-1 to, uh, oh yeah, Czechia, as we're now supposed to call them. Um, they end up coming back 6-3 winners. What did you make of Canada's performance in game number one? And um, being pushed the way they did, does that bode well for Canada? Maybe not going in as 10.5 goal favorites tonight against the Austrians, but when the competition really picks up later in the round robin. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because you, you're right. They do try to get themselves, get, get their feet underneath them anyways with the schedule. Um, and I talked about the Finnish team, you know, not really having a chance to take the top spot in this in this group because they didn't get to face Canada early. Because sometimes you can catch a team like Canada sleepwalking when they overlook an opponent um, where the Finns will face them in that, in that marquee New Year's Eve game. Um, so... You know, I wasn't all that surprised that, that Czechia came out flying. They Everybody gets up when they play Canada, right? Like that, that's the team that you want to make a mark and you kind of set the tone for the tournament is that we can hang with the big guys if, if we can show up against the Canadians. So 
I was a little surprised to see them down 3-1, obviously, and that's not what you're expecting, but it obviously wasn't surprising that they came back and, and took the took the game in the you know in a pretty pretty demonstrative fashion that it was decidedly they were the better team by the end of it. Obviously losing David Urasek for the Czechia team, that hurts a lot too. That's their best player, their best defender. Um, that's going to impact the rest of their tournament. For the Canadians, though, I think that they showed good resiliency being down. They didn't they didn't take some dumb penalties and kind of get against themselves in that way. Uh, they stayed with it. They're the ones who drew the penalties, and we saw, you know, Owen Power was just blasting away, and, and Cole Perfetti was dishing all those pucks to him. So, um, a good a good start, um, one that I think that they can build upon after having a little bit of adversity early on, and and something that they can look forward to uh, to kind of building up, especially on they're on a weak side of the pool, so they're, they they should cruise to first in that pool A, um, and then the real test comes in the middle round. Yeah, no doubt about it. Cam Robinson with us talking World Juniors here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You mentioned Owen Power. We should start with him. I believe they said. First Canadian defenseman ever with a hat trick at the World Juniors. And there's been a lot of big numbers put up by Canada over the years. It speaks to it. But, I mean, this guy was the number one pick. And as far as number one overall picks, I think he was relatively unknown because people didn't really see him play last year. Not a lot of Michigan Wolverines games on TV. Uh, but, wow, you want to talk about making a statement in game number one. Uh, now everyone realizes what Buffalo got when they picked him number one overall. Yeah, and the crazy thing, too, is it, he's not really a power play quarterback defenseman like uh, the offensive part of his game is good but that's not what he's known for like he is a six foot six shutdown defenseman who can also move the puck and, and get some points as well too so uh, the Sabres definitely have an excellent player coming I think you're absolutely right that his his season was a little unheralded playing in the NCAA as a draft eligible is not an easy place to be either um, he didn't get to come to the world juniors because of the extended uh, camp period he didn't want to miss you know 10 games of his of his freshman season there to do that so um, or maybe Michigan didn't want to lend him uh, however that worked out but um, we're seeing now we don't often get to see a first overall pick at this event because they're usually in the NHL so this is this is kind of a gift for Canada I was also surprised to hear that he was the first defenseman ever to, to record a hat trick as he said we've there's been some good defenseman play for Canada over the years and, and have been able to put the puck in the back of the net so a nice feather in the cap for him but you know him playing at the U20 level it's it's almost silly him and Mason McTavish are just quite clearly head and shoulders you know they're pro players playing at this level um, so they're kind of running around doing whatever they want out there and, and I think we're going to see that more throughout this round robin play well I'm um, certainly here in Winnipeg everyone was excited to see Cole Perfetti play for Canada um, we got a chance to see him play for Canada last year at the World Championships, which is a very rare thing. You win a gold medal at the Worlds, but then get your chance to to win that gold medal at the uh, World Juniors. Um, he came as advertised. We've seen him here in Winnipeg quite a bit this year with the Manitoba Moose, but um, certainly seems like Cole Perfetti is going to be a very important offensive cog for Canada as this tournament continues. No, oh, without a doubt. He's he has, you know, every right to lead this tournament in scoring if things go properly for him. Um, it, it worked out really well that, you know, he's a January one birthday. So he, you know, a, a day younger and he wouldn't be able to play at this event. So it's it's nice to have a player like him, another one who's a pro already. Right. Like he's he looked great for the moose. He you know kept his head above water and, and the little the little taste that he's had at the NHL thus far. Um, he's a highly, highly talented player, someone who I've been high on since, you know, his draft minus one season. So skilled with the puck great vision great iq um i think he's got the whole package to potentially be a number one center down the road and he's he's definitely that for the canadians right now a top flight top line player for them and that's only going to elevate through the event too so they're going to need him they're going to have to lean on him when they run into the russians or the swedes and hopefully the americans are still there when we get into the semis and the, and the finals hopefully if they can go on a, on a good run here so perfetti's he's going to be a linchpin for this team 
Uh, you know, the other really interesting kind of matchup, if you want to call it in this tournament, is um, the 16-year-olds, Connor Bedard and Mitchkoff. And Mitchkoff has been phenomenal so far. I mean, I saw his goals last night. I mean, he's now got three on the event. Um, first off, tell us about what you saw in Connor Bedard. And is he playing his way into a more impactful role with Team Canada? And maybe just, if you could, uh, the comparison between these two, which will uh, be getting a lot of steam in two years when they are finally draft eligible for the NHL. Yeah, without a doubt. So with Bedard, uh, you know, he played his way onto this team with a great showing at, at the camp and in those exhibition games. Um, he is so, so talented. And yeah, yeah, you know, he's 16 and 16 year olds don't often make a, a contender like Canada, let alone get to play up the lineup. But he has the skill. He has the talent. He works so well with other highly skilled players that, you know, I've been trying to manifest a top six Connor Bedard since since camp opened. And, you know, they're down a couple skaters now. So he's going to get an opportunity to to play up the lineup, I think, on a more regular basis. Um, I've, I want him to play next to uh, to Mason McTavish. I think that that would be a nice little combo. Both excellent shooters. One big guy, one little guy. Um, McTavish can do all the heavy lifting and Bedard can do all the skill work out there for them. Um, with Kent Johnson maybe playing on the other flank. So there's a lot of combinations that we can see from Bedard, but I think if you give him the opportunity, you give him power play time, there's little reason that he wouldn't be able to contribute in a highly effective manner for them. And this is a, an excellent, excellent player. Um, you know, and then regarding Matt B. Mishkoff, you know, he had a birthday a couple of weeks ago, so he's now 17, or uh, I, I went on some bold takes ahead of this event, and I said that he's going to lead this tournament in scoring. Um, he'd be the first 17-year-old to do that since Patrick Laine, uh, the first draft minus one since, I think, 1994 when Peter Sikora did it. So unheard of stuff. Uh, we saw the first couple goals he scored in that opener were, were pretty strange, but one, you know, from behind the net. Yeah on a backhand somehow but this kid that's he a scores knack for goals. scoring cam that's a knack for right? scoring <laughs> yeah the, the the good ones find a way and and you know i've been i've been watching this kid for a while now he scores goals from behind the goal line quite often like he's that he's that deadly from all over the ice so he's a fun fun player to watch and with that russian team he doesn't have to work his way up the lineup you know he started the event on line one on the top power play unit so he's he's getting all those opportunities that bedard has to fight for and he's going to have to really earn every inch so it won't be really fair to compare the two point wise probably at the end of the tournament in the last bedard can really lock himself in on a top six spot here starting now um, but they're both just phenomenal you know borderline generational talents i think that mishkov is as good a goal scorer as we've seen since ovechkin best Russian player coming out of Russia since Ovechkin and Malkin sort of thing. Um, and then Bedard, he doesn't have McDavid's electric speed. Nobody does, but he's, he's as good a prospect Canadian prospect as I've watched since, since McDavid came into the league. And so um, it would have been really interesting if uh, Mishkov didn't sign that super long extension in the KHL to see who really would have gone first overall in 2023, but whoever's drafting at that top spot. Now, I think it'll be a pretty close to a layup for them to take Bedard because they don't want to wait three years for, for an impact player to come in, but whoever's number two, they'll be happy to take Mishkov and wait the three years and then bring him over and have a, yeah, a you know what? superstar. It's funny you mentioned that just for people that don't know, Mishkov has a contract that extends three years past his draft year in the KHL. Um, so as of right now, you'll be drafting a guy for down the road. And, you know, listen, when you're picking second overall, the thought of waiting for a player for three years is not really that appetizing to the National Hockey League. So it sort of takes away, I'm, I'm with you, it takes away the bedard Mitchkoff, um question for teams all that being said uh, you know people are already wondering hmm can they get out of this is there a way to is there a way to uh maybe slide a check to that um that khl team because i think a lot of this does come down to 
the KHL wanting to be rewarded for their best talent going to the National Hockey League. I mean, Western Hockey League teams get a bunch of money when their players are drafted. It doesn't seem to be the same case over there. And well, I'm sure Mitchkoff would love to play in the best league in the world as soon as possible. Um, the fact that he signed that deal sort of ties him to Russia and their program for the better part of three years. And that really complicates things if you're an NHL GM that might not have three years to uh you know to wait um you know depending on the situation you're in count yeah you're absolutely right but whatever it would be it would have to be sneaky under the table stuff because um as as it goes right now for players to get themselves out of a khl deal they have to buy themselves out of it and so i don't have the specific on mishkov's extension and what they're paying him but i i feel pretty confident that it's going to be a lot more than the 900k that he'd be getting on his entry-level deal uh in the nhl so it would be a hefty hefty price to pay and i think you have to give 18 months notice so you have to pay it out, buy it out yourself, and give a year and a half notice before they'll let you out of your contract. So as as it looks right now, I would say it's it's close to nil that that he's going to get out of that deal early. I think the real concern would be that he pulls a, a Kirill Kaprizov and that he stays even longer, is that he stays those three years and then he goes, you know what, I'll stick around for one or two more. It's Scott St. Petersburg who owns his rights and has him in that deal. Um, they're always a contender, a top, top flight team that just brings all the talent um, they pay their players well. Uh, it's, so it's it's a good situation from over there, but it's it's going to be tough for NHL fans and whoever ends up drafting him. Just that the patience is going to be a virtue for for waiting on this kid. But when you do get him, like I said, he's going to be someone who's projects at 50 goal levels, you know, pretty pretty easily at this point. Cam Robertson is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at hockey underscore Robinson. Uh, hey, before we move around to some of the other teams and some players that you're liking and checking out that this tournament. What's up with Canada's goaltending? Uh, why is why was Sebastian Kosa not even dressed for game number one? And where is his status? I mean, I think a lot of people, myself included, thought he would be the horse that went pretty much nightly for Canada. W what do you make of this? I, I'm I'm as surprised as as many people out here. You know, he's he's a huge guy is, is starting off he's six foot seven and he moves like he's about five foot ten across post to post you know he's from he plays for the Edmonton Oil Kings so there was no travel there was nothing for him he just kind of walked down the rink around down the road to the rink and, and there he is um he's put up excellent excellent numbers at the WHO level the last few years um he's a high-end prospect obviously you know we watched uh, Steve Eiserman and, and company in Detroit take him over yes for Volstad and we saw what Volstad did last night for Sweden just being a brick wall there I think Kosa has that same ability I'm surprised that Canada isn't going to him immediately here for game two. Um, they're going with Brett Bruchu, but I, I, I tweeted this out a little while ago is that I think he will get a chance. Uh, I do feel that way. And that when he does get it, there's a, a really good chance that he just won't relinquish the net because he's that level of talent. Um, he's a 19 year old too. So even though this is his first foray in, he's a, a late birthday, a November kid. So this is his one and done crack at the world juniors. And I think he deserves a chance and he's that good a player that he should be able to take it and run with it. But um, you know, Dylan Garland's also a very good netminder too. Brochu's played well. So I think Canada, they've, They've been doing some galaxy galaxy brain stuff, leaving Brant Clark at home, uh, you know, Brennan Othman. They, they've they've made a few questionable picks this year. Now the goaltending stuff and everyone can, you know, point fingers and question what's going on there. But at the end of the day, this is a team that usually finds a way to get it done. And so if they do that, no one will say anything. Um, if they don't, though, that's when the questions will really be raised. Yeah, it, it was interesting because, I mean, we actually went here and saw the a match with the top two teams in Canadian junior hockey, Winnipeg Ice and Edmonton Oil Kings, just a couple of weeks ago. And Kosa was a net, and he was phenomenal. And you mentioned the size. I mean, I couldn't get over how huge he was. Um, and you look at the numbers that he's had going into the tournament, it was just sort of assumed that he'd be the guy. 
I did see some interviews, um, you know, as they were preparing for the tournament where he did come off as very, very cocky. And I was wondering whether this might be, uh, you know, just trying to get someone to maybe to cool their jets or uh, do things the Canadian way. Um, that being said, it was a little surprising that he wasn't there and even more surprising that he's not back in in game number two. Although, again, I'm not sure how much anyone is going to get from this Austria challenge tonight. I mean, as I mentioned, Canada is favored by 10 and a half goals in this game. I mean, well, is this just a matter of getting through this game and um, trying to stay healthy and make sure you don't lose any players to injury and prepare for that next one? Because, um, you know, it's such, it's such a drop off from the other teams that they'll be playing in this tournament. I mean, you, you do wonder how you approach a game like this tonight. Yeah, there's a couple softies on this side for them too. So uh, you know, the it, it, there will be some games that, that that you're absolutely right. They'll get in there and they'll just try to play a, a systems game. Nobody get hurt. You know, they're already down one player to injury, one player to suspension at this point. They're down to 12 forwards, which isn't the end of the world, um, especially when you're playing a team like this where you can probably roll four lines and keep everybody fresh. Um, but yeah, it's let's let's not get COVID, let's not get injuries, and let's just get through until that finish game on on New Year's Eve. And then let's look into the medal rounds after that. So um, I think you're right that that's probably a part of why Brochu is playing tonight versus Kosa. Maybe if, if we're looking at a window into that is that maybe they're saving him for a tougher opponent. But at the same time, like you want to get your guys reps, right? You want to find who's who's going to be the guy in net for you. You want to get them feeling good, making big stops and get on a roll, right? You don't want to be, I, it's, it's very, very rare to see a team roll through three goaltenders in the round robin, especially a Canadian team. So there's a chance that this, the Costa might just end up in the press box for this tournament too, or on the, or on the bench, um, which would be a surprise. But again, if they can, if they can get it done, then, then good on them. But if not, I, you know, if he becomes their guy in the medal rounds and he hasn't seen any action and comes in cold, that's going to be a tough spot for him and for the team. Uh, Cam Robertson with us uh, talking World Juniors. Let's step away from Canada for a minute. And you mentioned the Swedish goaltender Wallstead, who uh, looked pretty darn good, uh, and uh, he got a lot of Wild fans excited and a lot of Jet fans going, "Man, I hope this guy doesn't turn out to be a stud that we're going to be playing eight times a year for the next uh, next season." But um, what have you thought about the Swedish team overall, and who's uh, who's stood out for you outside of the uh, the netminder? You know, it hasn't been great, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I, I think, you know, they're 2-0 to start this event, and a lot of that can be attributed to Volstad's play. Um, Simone Edvinson's been excellent um, at times. You know, he's, uh, I, I stole a, a quote from a Vancouver Media Menu, the menu uh, guy that he's he's a bit of a chaos giraffe out there where he can dominate play. You know, he's another six foot five guy with that long neck and he can make plays and he can be mean and he can skate and he can play defensively. Uh, but he can get a little... A little crazy at times um, when he wants to rush the puck too, but I think Edvinson's been really, really strong for them. Um, Emil Andre has been really good. Uh, Flyers pick, he's, he's the captain of that team. Up front, I've expected more from Alex Holtz. Um, William Eklund, I think, you know, he's he's had moments too, but uh, I expect this offense to get going at some point too. And and that's what we're waiting for is that, you know, they were, they were handily outplayed by the Slovaks last night. And they're a plucky team. That, that Slovakian team has a lot of talent, and I think they're coming next year. Um, they're going to be a real threat to medal next year when those guys age up a little bit and are, are draft eligible or draft plus one. Um, but, you know, they were outplayed, and it was all up to Kosa there, or uh, Volstead last night. So um, I think that the Swedes, they're, they're in a good position right now. They can thank their net for it but they need they need to get that offense rolling because because they're going to run into a few more tough matchups here too especially if the americans are healthy camp now this is a unique tournament in that you know a lot of the players that we're talking about have already been drafted and you know Bardard and mitchkoff are a couple years away but there are 
a number of draft eligible prospects, uh, only one on Canada, but you know, maybe if you could give us a rundown of the players that are draft eligible for this upcoming year that have caught your eye or that frankly people should be paying attention to when they're tuning into the tournament. For sure. So, you know, just talking about that Slovak squad, they have a few. So Simon Nemec is, is, you know, probably the, the best uh, defenseman in the draft. He's, he's kind of considered that a, a six foot defenseman on the right side. He's, he's a very talented two way guy has maybe one of the highest floors in the entire draft next to Shane Wright. Um, and then they've also got a kid, Yurov Slavkowski, who he's a big, big boy, six foot four, 225, 230 has excellent hands, kind of a clunky skating stride. Um, looked really good last night at times. I do question the awareness at times as well. Philip Mashar, who's more of a slight and slippery, got great speed, great hands, loves to transition the puck really, really well. So all three of those guys are projected right now to be top 15 picks um, coming out of Slovakia, which is really interesting to see. Um, if Finland, you know, they've got a couple, Joachim Kamel, um, he's really, really smart. He's been excellent in the top finish league right there. He, before going down with injury um, in, I believe it was late uh, November, he was leading the whole Liga in scoring as, as a 17-year-old, which is, you, you don't see that. You just don't see it. And then Brad Lambert, who has had uh, struggles this year, it came in as a consensus top five, maybe even top three pick, um, and has really struggled to kind of put his speed and his skill together into a productive manner but he is showing out early on at this event so i think he leads the co-leads the tournament in scoring at this point he's looking very very strong he's uh, you know i said before the event that probably no one has more to gain from showing out at this event than brad lambert and he's really really making making good on that so the russians they've got another one danila yurov who also projects to be a top 10 pick really smart safe player who's who's been excellent internationally but right now he's playing in the khl and he gets two three four minutes a night if he sees any ice time he's too good for the junior circuit so this is another great opportunity for him to play some strong minutes put up some big points and uh and really kind of lock in that draft status of his um the united states have logan cooley another kid who's projected in the top 10 maybe even as high as number two he's looked good for the americans too playing down the middle in the second line he's one of these kids it's like a coach's dream just does everything right on the right side of the puck makes good plays smart in his, in his own end can transition the puck has a good release so um he's another one that people need to keep an eye on there's it's it's a it's a good year for draft eligible talent you know i mentioned david urasek unfortunately another right shot defenseman he's done for the tournament uh it sounds like his season won't be ended so it won't be an acl injury but uh that's disappointing that we won't get to see him put up some some good points there um the czechs also have a kid yuri kulik who's another smart small slippery guy who who's really strong defensively for his age and then you know austria they've got a kid marco casper who's playing in the SHL right now, and he's kind of a power forward in a smaller frame who just runs around out there. He's mean. He can, he can get in on the forecheck and disrupt things. So uh, tons of first-round ca uh, caliber talent that uh, is yet to be drafted this year. And uh, for people that are, that are fans of the draft or on fans of teams that are looking at high draft picks, there's, there's definitely some talent to watch this year. Cam, really enjoyed this conversation. We'll have to get you back on the show and do it again later on in the tournament or post-tournament for a little bit of a wrap-up. Thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter at Hockey Robinson. That is uh, Cam Robinson joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. He is the uh, director of film scouting over at Elite Prospects. You can follow Elite Prospects at Elite Prospects on Twitter as well. All right, we're going to uh, talk a little more Jets. We'll do a little holiday check-in with our good friend Mike McIntyre coming up in a few minutes. Um, but of course, New Year's Eve is coming up on Friday. And for all intents and purposes, it is pretty much canceled. Um, last call at 10 o'clock everywhere, which means you may need to be uh, planning on a much smaller scale New Year's Eve. 
and probably doing it at home. But I'll tell you, the best way to ring in that new year is with the great taste of Little Brown Jug. Our good friends over at Little Brown Jug are ready for 2022. The tap room is open this week, so you actually can pop in and you know try sample some of the products down on William Avenue. Um, you can also pick up your 1919. The Winter Variety Pack is phenomenal, as well as, and this might be a perfect thing for New Year's Eve, the Brute IPA, which of course is the uh, celebratory beer brewed for the fifth anniversary last month or this month, I guess in December. Um, and it is a champagne-like extra dry IPA with flavors of citrus and stone fruit. So if you're a champagne and beer flavor, maybe check out the uh, Brute IPA, all available right now at littlebrownjug.ca. And they do have delivery options as well within the city of Winnipeg. Our friends at Princess Auto, uh, I mentioned, you know, in our curling report a little earlier that unfortunately the event that was supposed to start today in Portage La Prairie is off. Um, and that was devastating for Chelsea Carey and Colin Hodgson, who were representing Princess Auto and had qualified for that. We're still waiting on clarity as to how that they are going to figure out who represents Canada at the Olympics. Uh, but very disappointing for curling fans and especially all of the athletes that work so hard to get to that point. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsor of Jen Jones' team. She's heading to Beijing, representing Canada at the Olympic Games. And Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. New year, new project? Get to princessauto.com or visit them at one of the two local locations here in Winnipeg. And, uh, well, with things shutting down, a lot of delivery happening right now and um, no better way to get ready for the big Canada game tonight or the football on the weekend or hopefully the Jets game on New Year's Eve than with an order from Boston Pizza Delivery. Go to bostonpizza.com to check out all the great menu items, some special seasonal things available as well and get it delivered hot and ready to your door. Of course, you can still eat in. You can still hit up the lounge. You just got to get out by 10 p.m. after last call. Boston Pizza, great supporters of Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. Pop by your local location or order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, lots going on today. Winnipeg Jets back on the practice sites. We checked in with Jerry, with Jamie Thomas. But let's do a little holiday visit between Christmas and New Year's with our good friend Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Mike, best of the season to you. <laughs> How are you? I'm I'm doing great, Hoss. Now, if this is a holiday visit, where's the spread? Uh, you should have like some dainties, some sweets, uh, some savory snacks. Where I don't that's, see anything. That's a good idea. All I've got is half a pizza from last night, and uh, well, my uh, my usual my usual di uh, my usual diet Pepsi. Um, right hey, Mike, you know what? Let's just get into this because a little bit of breaking news: Billy Hanel had been practicing with the team and had been with the uh, with the taxi squad. I'm just seeing Michael Remus let me know that uh, he's technically been sent back to the Manitoba Moose. Um, uh, why don't we just get into it? How is this taxi squad going to affect the Winnipeg Jets considering what they are dealing with and what everyone else is dealing with? And in particular, Billy Hanel's situation on the blue line of one of these two clubs. Yeah, I, I think for Billy, what, what the issue here, and we got a sense of this yesterday from Dave Lowry, uh, that Billy wasn't up here with the idea that he's being thrown into the lineup. And, he was here mainly out of convenience, uh, here being the taxi squad and here being Winnipeg. Unlike a lot of Moose players, he didn't leave the city, it appears, over the holidays. He was here in Winnipeg 
And so it made it easy to get him on the ice uh, as soon as they were able with the, the taxi squad introduction. But the writing was sort of on the wall when Dave Lowry indicated that he doesn't want Billy Hainala to kind of be stuck in purgatory. He was for a while last year where he just sat on that taxi squad, just practice, 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 didn't get games with the Moose, didn't get games with the Jets. And that wasn't ideal. And so I think, you know, we got a sense that that wasn't going to be the scenario this time around. And so the Moose, they will resume practicing this week. Um, their games coming up tomorrow, Thursday and Friday have now been postponed, uh, but they do play Sunday. And so I suspect for Billy Hainala, his best chance of getting in a game here in the next week or so is with the Moose, not the Jets. The Jets now with Neil Pionk back in town after his travel odyssey from uh, from Minnesota. They've got uh, seven healthy defensemen now on the roster. Although, as we heard today, Huss, uh, Nathan Bolio is probably going to play fourth line forward on Friday night in Calgary. Is that serious? No, that is absolutely serious. Uh, they, they He's practiced three days in a row, not just as a fill-in, but as an actual forward, like that's the idea. Dave Lowry, I don't think, subscribes to the Paul Maurice school of 11 and 7. Paul Maurice kind of like that. Dave Lowry, not a big fan of 11 and 7. And so, well, he it's will. It's still 11 let... and 7 if Nate Bull is playing forward, Mike. It is indeed. Uh, you know, here's the thing. Uh, Nathan Bolio is not a long-term solution. One thing Nathan Bolio will do, though, is something that the Jets have spent the last couple practices absolutely drilling down, which is going to the net. Um, and Nathan Bolio, he actually scored a really nice goal on a drill today right in front of the net. Um, so, I mean, that's the mentality that Dave Lowry is trying to preach with his players. And so whatever, for a game or two, like, look, Andrew Kopp and Christian Veselainen, they're eligible to actually come out of COVID protocol as early as Friday. I don't know that that means they would necessarily be available to play Friday night. Um, but I suspect, you know, by Sunday when they're in Vegas, chances are one or both of those guys are available. So I think this would be a really short term thing, um, like one game at most, uh, but it does seem to be the reality. And and right now, Huss, like it's not as if Nathan Bolio is dressing over Cole Perfetti or David Gustafson, or anybody. I mean, right now, the only person he's leaping on the depth chart at forward is Mikey Essamont, who was called up from the taxi squad today and, and isn't even on the roster as we sit here today. They'd have to make a roster move to bring him up because he's on the taxi squad. So, I mean, I guess Mikey Essamont fans out there would would cry foul. Um I get, though, that people will say, well, geez, if they're going to dress seven defensemen, and yes, one of them is a forward, a lot of folks believe Billy Hainala should be one of those seven defensemen. Um, you know, if if not, I don't think they're going to put Billy Hainala on the fourth line as a forward, but a lot of people would, of course, like to see him on the blue line. The fact is that's not happening just yet. He'll go back to the moose. He'll probably play big minutes again. And then if they run into injury or illness and we've seen how quickly that can you know that can kind of flare up these days in the NHL Billy Hainala would be the next option for sure on the blue line to step in now Mike um 
you know, we spoke right after the the shocking news that Paul Maurice had stepped down. Um, there's only been a couple games. There's been a number of practices. You've been around. I mean, uh, anything seem different to you right now? I mean, uh, it, you know, compare the Jets of three weeks ago uh, at practice being around the club to what you're seeing recently. And um, just you know, your thoughts on how things proceed into the new year with Paul Maurice no longer uh, in the room. Dave Lowry ain't messing around, Huss. Uh Short and sweet is is not in his vernacular in terms of the way these practices have been designed. They have been marathons this week. Um, you know, I was joking that we seem to be getting longer as the week goes on and we get closer to a game to the point that I wondered if we might get a two-hour practice tomorrow, a three-hour practice on Thursday, and forget about one morning skate Friday. Why not have two of them? <laughs> um, he's a taskmaster, that's for sure. And it appears that Dave Lowry has a lot of things that he wants to work on with this group. And in a sense, Huss, he's almost using this week as a mini training camp of sorts mm-hmm. um, to put his own stamp, you know, which he really wasn't able to do in the very short time prior to the holiday pause, just with the, the chaotic situation. And they played two games in relative short order, only had a couple skates. And then they had a bunch of guys kind of out of the lineup as well. Um, so, you know, this this has been his time to really put his his mark down. And what we're seeing is is for tremendous attention to detail. Like Paul Maurice, a traditional Paul Maurice practice, especially by the end, Huss, they all started to look the same, right? They were 30, 35 minutes. They did usually the same drills and there was no interruption. They just did the drill and then they moved on to the next drill. Dave Lowry stops and starts a lot of these drills. He'll blow he'll blow it down in the middle of the drill because he maybe sees something he wants to use as a as a teachable, you know, coachable moment. But they're also going uh, and Paul Stasny talked about this today. Although the practices are lasting longer, today was the second straight one hour plus practice, which is very unusual for NHL players. Um, they're doing, there's a lot of repetition and they're doing the drills. Like each drill is much shorter in duration. Uh, as Paul Stasny put it, rather than going maybe for 20, 25 seconds, they're going like five, 10, 15 seconds really hard. And then they move on to the next set of players. So, you know, clearly he's trying to hammer home some fundamentals, the risk of sounding like Dr. Rusin, uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) preaching the fundamentals, but the fact is that, you know, Dave Lowry, the fundamentals are obviously something he wants to work on. And and priority number one, and you see this in almost every drill they're doing, has been getting traffic to the net, trying to create some chaos, and both, you know, learning to better defend it because the Jets have given up a lot of goals in front of their own net, you know, off weird deflections and bounces. And vice versa, I'd suggest the Jets have not scored a whole lot of goals that way. And I think Dave Lowry, he sees how goals are scored in the NHL these days. Heck, Dave Lowry himself kind of played that hard-nosed net front style. And, you know, he's trying to now hammer that through to his troops, which is a bit of a tough ask when you look at some of the high-end skill skill that the Jets have. Maybe a lot of these guys aren't used to playing that way, but he's trying to kind of get them all thinking that way. Mike, when you look at this roster, and I know we've only had two games under Dave Lowry, who um who stands out as a player or two 
that stands to gain the most from the change behind the bench at head coach? Uh, as funny as this sounds, his own son, Adam. <laughs> but hear me out. The first two games, and, and this may have happened anyways, even if Paul Maurice was coaching, because don't forget, it was Paul Maurice who reunited Lowry and Cop and put Toninato with them. Um, like the day before Paul Maurice stepped down, he had made that move. And so Dave Lowry, he kind of inherited the lines. He didn't make any changes of his own to the lines. Now he's going to have to make some changes uh, going into Calgary because they don't have the same personnel. Cop, as mentioned, is on COVID protocol. But I found it really interesting in those first two games the Jets played under Dave Lowry, the Lowry, Cop, Toninato line, they they may be a third line in sort of name, uh, but they were used almost as, as a top line because they were getting the hard matchups. And I think we saw them be really effective against the St. Louis Blues. You know, they were out there against the O'Reilly line and I think did a really nice job as the Jets beat a really, really good St. Louis team that had come to town uh, undefeated in seven straight games. And so, you know, I say Lowry kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I think whoever's on that line, and right now, once Cop comes out of COVID protocol, like I think those three guys, and I, I must say, I've really liked Dominic Toninato the last few games here going back before the break. Um, you know, I thought he brought a lot of energy and and the Jets penalty kill now seems to be coming around a bit. And I think Dave Lowry, given what we're hearing about the way he wants his team to play, I suspect that line, which, yes, includes his own son, that is a line that he's probably going to lean on a lot here, especially when the Jets are playing, you know, really good teams, whether it's Calgary or Vegas, like these first two games are going to face this weekend that have a lot of skill, Dave Lowry is going to try to get those guys out against the other team's best. And so they probably do stand to benefit in that sense. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And, and for my money, I mean, I think that the line looks completely different with Andrew Kopp back with Adam Lowry. I mean, that that okay. there is an identity of that line, regardless of whether it's Toninato or Hark. I liked Harkins, actually, yeah. on that line. I thought he's certainly, and I think maybe Harkins has earned some respect from Lowry or did in the past during times where he was out of the lineup and working with the assistant coaches after practice. Sure. Um, and I think we've seen him take advantage of that, but, um, but let's talk up front. Um, there was a lot of talk about Mark Shifley and obviously he had that monster game uh, along with Ehlers and Stastny against St. Louis, but in particular for Shifley, how is his situation different? If at all with Paul Maurice, no longer the head coach and now Dave Lowry calling the shots. Yeah, you know, it's a great question and and very small sample size to get a sense of of how he might use Shifley a little different than Paul Maurice had. I mean, we know, look, Paul Maurice, if he had a weakness, some might call it a blind spot, you know, loyalty, right? And and one of the things I think we saw with Mark Shifley far too often, look at his shift length at time. It would creep way up, right? Mark Shifley would take marathon shifts at times. Um, I I don't expect that that's going to continue under Dave Lowry. I think Dave Lowry is going to have probably a bit tighter of a leash. I don't think he has the same, the same loyalty, if you will, the same allegiances to maybe these players that a Paul Maurice did. Dave Lowry's, this is his second year with the team. 
Um, he's now calling the shots. He's He's been tasked with putting his own stamp. So I think there might be maybe a little more accountability is, is one way of putting it. And I think the early signs are encouraging for sure. I mean, what we saw from Shifley, um, you know, I thought that was Mark Shifley's best game in a long, long time against St. Louis. And it came at a really good time for the Jets. They're going to need a lot more of that from Mark Shifley. And so I, I do wonder if Paul Maurice no longer, longer being here in a way, Maurice might have felt like a bit of a safety net, right? A comfortable old blanket to a guy like Mark Shifley. Uh, we heard a lot of players after Maurice left saying that, you know, this got everybody's attention, right? And I suspect at the top of that list is a guy like Mark Shifley, who, you know, he's probably going to have to um, earn his keep in a way that maybe he didn't have to when the only NHL coach he he really knew uh, was behind the bench. Yeah, it is a great point. And I really like the way Ehlers and Shifley look together. I mean, we have seen them before at times in the past, but for whatever reason, that didn't stick. Um, do you think that that is the look that Lowry goes with, presuming they continue to perform for the rest of the season? And if that's the case, where does Blake Wheeler fit in when he comes back from injury? Yeah, I, th I think part of it's going to, a big part of it would depend on on Paul Stasny. And if Paul Stasny can continue to play at a high level, um, you know, and he was great as well as that third piece of that oh, yeah. line with, with like Paul Stasny is a really, really smart player. And I found it interesting yesterday, Huss. I asked Nate Schmidt, we were talking about the, the, the Lowry practices and what the Jets are trying to do and this whole net front and, you know, causing chaos. And I asked Nate Schmidt, you know, who are some of the best in the NHL? And he named three players, a uh, former teammate of his in Washington, in Tom Wilson, as a guy that I mean, we see what Tom Wilson does. He scores a lot of goals, right? Right in front of the net. Um, he mentioned Joe Pavelski, who's probably the best puck tipper deflector in the NHL, probably has the the best hand eye of any player and a guy that absolutely makes his hay in front of the other team's net. And then he mentioned Paul Stasny. And maybe that's something we don't think about here too much. But, you know, Nate Schmidt said Paul Stasny, he's the guy on this team that we should all be trying to emulate in terms of of what you do. And so if you're Stasny and you're playing with a Shifley and an Ehlers, obviously tremendous skill and vision and all that. Uh, I think he could be a really nice compliment and obviously a great game against the blues. We'll see if they can keep that up, but it does create some options for sure. It also creates an option. I mean, could we see Lowry cop Wheeler? Could that be a line at some point? Why the heck not? I mean, that would be that would be a line that you could lean on, obviously as a shutdown against the other team's best, but also with some some tremendous size and grit and leadership and some offensive ability. So it is really interesting to see the potential options in play here. Um, you know, for example, if if Dave Lowry wanted to keep the Dubois Connor Svechnikov. Uh, you know, line once he's back or Dubois, Connor, Veselina. Like there's a lot of ways you could go here and it does create some options that, you know, I think, and you mentioned identity, Huss. The Jets didn't have an identity at all to their bottom six. They had two really good lines for a while and six other guys 
kind of playing, you know, different roles and depending on the game. And I think if the Jets are going to be successful here, they really need to carve out a bigger identity, especially on the bottom six. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Mike, let's move away from the uh, the minutia of lines and going into this game on Friday, which we hope will be happen, which we hope will happen. As of right now, it is scheduled to be played in Calgary. And, man, that's the first game for the Flames probably in a good three weeks at least. Um, but just what do you make of the situation the NHL is going through right now? I mean, obviously, we've added the taxi squad. Um, it seems like they're going to do everything they can to get these games back on the ice. But um, what's to come in the next two months? Uh, and how many games will need to be made up once we get to this Olympic break that will no longer have NHLers going to the Olympics? Yeah, I mean, I think around the NHL right now, Haas, there's there's a bit of a hold your breath, uh, cross your fingers, and and maybe a feeling that that they've gotten through the worst of it, right? Like we had, what was the number? It was 140 players in protocols. Like 20% you know, of the league. Right. And so presumably those 20%, like they're not going to go back into protocol once they come out of it. That's the hope anyways. Uh, and and you hope that, you know, teams that had big outbreaks, the Calgary Flames, for example, I saw Daryl Sutter said the other day, ironically, this is probably the healthiest we've been all year. Uh, <laughs> this after they just had like 25 guys in protocol, uh, but they're all out of it now, right? And and they're probably now set, they hope, for the rest of the season and to kind of to go on in, uninterrupted. So. I think there's a sense of, you know, let's hope they've weathered the storm here a bit. Yeah, they've had to cancel. I think we're up to now like 70 games that are going to have to be made up. They do have that big window in February and the Jets themselves, they now have four games that they're going to have to play, two on the road, two at home. Uh, but they'll have lots of time for that. They'll probably still get some kind of a break during that, uh, that three-week window. Uh, and if, you know, we're seeing now, I think, more guys almost coming out of protocols than being added. And that's obviously a positive sign. Um, you know, if that trend continues, <laughs> I think there's still going to be for this next week or two weeks, a lot of hold in the breath though. And we're also going to see a watered down product. No doubt about it, Huss. Um, you know, at the NHL level, there's a <laughs> bunch of guys playing, uh, playing period that wouldn't be in the league if not for what's going on. Other guys are going to have to play elevated roles. I mean, my goodness at the AHL level, like that is definitely an inferior product because between call-ups to the NHL and taxi squads, like what is left at the AHL level? Um, you know, so it's a watered down product. And of course it goes even <laughs> further down the chain Pity the poor ECHL coaches that are trying to fill out rosters these days. Uh, they're probably going to be holding open tryouts, uh, you know, to, to, to get an 18-man roster. But, yeah, these are tough days for sure. But I think there's at least a sense that maybe there's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. <clears throat> and, Huss, it's not an <clears throat> incoming train, hopefully. <laughs> uh, Mike, interesting tweet just a couple minutes ago from Elliot Friedman. Um, hearing some Canadian teams home games in early January will be postponed pending schedule shuffling yeah. as expected. The NHL wants to protect revenues as much as possible while there are crowd limits. Um, obviously the games on January 8th and January 10th comes to mind first and foremost. And I guess as part of that, uh, why was the, it was the game tomorrow night, 
rescheduled because of that or yeah. was it was it a covid thing essentially listen they don't want to play in empty buildings and lose all the revenue from it and if you've got a month to make up those games they'll do them at that point it was a hundred percent rescheduled tomorrow because the jets asked the nhl to reschedule it not because they couldn't feel the lineup not because chicago would have had trouble yeah mark andre Fleury's in covid protocol it had everything to do huss I saw a report out last week. I think it said the Jets' revenue for every home game is something like $1.4 million. I wish I could cite the source of that, but they actually listed uh, whoever had the tweet. It was all seven NHL teams. The Jets were, I think, about fifth in Canadian uh, teams. Ottawa was dead last. Toronto, Montreal were up, up, up at the top. But, you know, for every game that they play in an empty building, like that's more than a million bucks that is not going in their pockets. And if the belief is this sort of, uh, these new public health orders are more of a temporary thing that in a few weeks, hopefully we come out of this Omicron, you know, wave and things settle down again. And then they they reopen Canada Life Center and they can have 15,000 fully vaxxed. If that's the plan, it doesn't surprise me at all that the Jets would also try and do what they just did for tomorrow night's game the January 8th and January 10th games it may unfortunately mean a longer stretch of hockey on the road here uh, but at the end of the day it comes down to the almighty buck and the Jets Mm. and I suspect Mm. other Canadian teams Montreal Mm. comes to mind they're playing they would have to play in empty buildings now and I think all the other Canadian teams are at least down to 50 percent that's a lot of lost revenue coming off a year where there was no gate revenue So it doesn't surprise me. And I guess it's just a question of how flexible is the NHL willing to be. Um, The Jets didn't know if their request from the other day was going to be granted for tomorrow. It ultimately was. I guess it doesn't hurt now to ask again to see if a similar concession would be made for those uh, those other two games that are going to fall under this current public health order. Well, and, and, you know, from... A business side of things it does make a lot of sense uh, and you've got a month i mean of open dates uh in, in the arena and you know we were talking to jamie earlier i mean maybe it's a little different if you're the matter if you're uh, the new york rangers and trying to reschedule games at madison square garden not that they're dealing with any of these limits that we are in canada right now right. but there is a lot of time to be playing these games and i don't think there'll be any issue with building availability so no. um frankly it does make sense and Personally, if we're not going to get the NHLers at the Olympics, I wouldn't mind having some legitimate NHL games to be talking about for a month that was supposed to be focused on Beijing and a best-on-best tournament. So, for example, the two the two Jets home games that have to be rescheduled already are Minnesota and Chicago. The two upcoming games are Seattle and Minnesota. Um, so, for example, if they push the January 10th Minnesota game back to February, I could see a situation where Minnesota now comes here and they play, you know, twice. They play two straight days against the Jets, make up both games in one trip or maybe twice in three days kind of thing. So for sure, I mean, it'll boil down, I guess, to what other, how many games the other teams have to be made up and whether uh, you can make it all fit in a schedule matrix. But like you said, Huss, they have the benefit of about three weeks here of open schedule and right now the Jets only have four games so if it were to become six games if their next two home games were to be pushed back I still think that's very doable within that window 
Um, but you do want to leave yourself some additional flexibility, of course, should other flare-ups arise in terms of COVID issues that, that cause other games to have to be pushed back. Hey, last one for you on the way out, Mike, and thanks so much for doing this. Um, how's your job changed over these last few days? I mean, to tell, take us behind the curtain. I mean, the protocols for yeah. you, for media, um, are you planning on going to this game on, on Friday in Calgary? I mean, uh, how much of a wrench is this putting into the guys that cover the team on a daily basis? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's definitely back to the old way of Zooms, which I can tell you, Huss, is not ideal for we, we get spoiled a little bit. I think when you're in the room with the players and it's a little more informal setting, um, you know, you're not restricted to one question kind of. And then, you know, then the mic goes to the, the next person. Like, it's just harder to get, you know, quality sound bites and stories and things like that out of players. But it's obviously a temporary and, and very necessary uh, fix. I am still uh, traveling. Uh, I'm on this road trip starting Friday. I'm actually uh, flying out on Friday morning to Calgary and then off to uh, Vegas and, and Phoenix and Denver. Um, so we'll see what that obviously brings and how quickly we go back to maybe the old way um, uh, of, of you know the rooms being opened. I get that, that teams want to be extra careful right now. Uh, but for sure, it's, uh, you know, it's a bit of a uh, a challenge and you know seeing some media colleagues uh, my buddy and our buddy Ken Weeb of course right now he, he's battling COVID right now he tested positive um, a few days back and so he's not at the rink and you know you, you, you just see stories like that of course and um, you hope that that everybody can stay safe and kind of get through this but uh, it's a scary time for sure but like everything in our lives you know we're kind of adjusting on the fly uh Christmas, I have a huge family. We weren't able to get together, you know, for a second straight year, obviously, with the big gatherings that we wanted to have. And uh, but, you know, that we realize there's a lot, a lot of people making much, much, much bigger sacrifices. And you hope that if we all kind of still keep doing the right things here, that sooner or later we'll uh, we'll get through this. Yeah, well, that's uh, certainly what we're uh, hoping right now. Get the booster. It just sounds yeah. like everyone's getting this anyway. So if you can take it, you know, and minimize the results from it and hopefully come out better on the other side, uh, that's what we're hoping. Mike, uh, a belated Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year to you. We'll look forward to all the coverage of this road trip. Fingers crossed that it yeah. all happens as planned uh, beginning on Friday in the Winnipeg Free Press. Have a great one, pal. Thanks. You bet. Take care. All right, there's Mike McIntyre with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. A little bit more on the Jets and the latest from what is happening and what isn't happening in the National Hockey League. Hey, a big happy new year to our friends Nick and Nikki over at the Nick and Nikki DQ Group. Four DQs in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. The DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And this would normally be a time where the DQ St. Anne's is dark. Not anymore. Open year-round and nobody wants to leave right now. And you might not be in as much of a blizzard mood, but I'll tell you what, that um, Steakhouse Burger looks pretty damn good. Fries, chicken fingers, uh, all the great fare that they've got at DQ can be had on Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats. And everyone knows those DQ cakes are amazing 12 months a year. So if you do have an event, a little party, maybe New Year's, why don't you hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba and get a cake for the upcoming weekend or an event in the new year. Um, well, we mentioned New Year's plans are 
basically being kiboshed as we speak, but that doesn't mean you can't uh, have a great time at home. We mentioned Little Brown Jug, a nice accessory to New Year's Eve, as is the great taste of Canadian Club, the official whiskey sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and our official spirit here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, Still great deals at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, but I'd suggest getting in there sooner as opposed to later because we know what the rush is like as you head into New Year's Eve. Uh, Check out the displays in all of the local liquor marts and check out the Jim Beam display because they do have limited quantities of that special Bomber 2021 Grey Cup Champions commemorative uh, glass that's available at participating liquor marts, 18 of them in Winnipeg, 20 displays in Manitoba. You buy a bottle of Jim Beam and you get one of those Bomber Championship glasses. Check it out at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. We will do another marble race, the final one of 2021, later on this week with great prizes from our friends at Canadian Club. And uh, let's get to the Cool Bet lines today for our friends over at Cool Bet Canada. Uh, yes, the Cool Bet gang is listing the upcoming world junior hockey championships and as i mentioned we are talking about a monster spread um i guess nine and a half is the number right now i quoted ten and a half earlier if you think canada can win by 11 you'll get plus 135 on your money uh austria plus ten and a half is minus 172 but austria plus nine and a half is only minus 105 canada the favorite at nine and a half goal line at minus 120 uh, and you've got a ton of groups with uh, who will score, who won't score. Paul Perfetti and Mason McTavish at minus 167. Shane Wright, minus 125. Again, you can check out all of the games there. And we, of course, do have lines for the upcoming weekend in the National Football League. No Thursday nighter this week, so we'll have to wait until Sunday for the games, but we do got uh, a number of NCAA bowl games as well, all available at CoolBet. Use the promo code WST if you haven't bet at CoolBet before. We'll double your bonus, your initial bon- uh, deposit, up to $200 with a 100% bonus. Big thanks to our friends at CoolBet. And for those of you wondering about the lock shop, we will have a new episode on Thursday heading into the week in the National Football League. Uh, Remo, you know what? I wasn't sure whether we'd go this long today just with it being a real quiet week, but great to see so many people in the chat. And uh, nice for Mike to pop in towards the end of the show for a little extra Jets content after a few dark days here in Winnipeg and on WST. Yeah, I mean, we didn't go on uh, since Friday. But I think we had a, we did have a, a bit to get to, talking with the new taxi squads, uh, the Jets lines, canceled the postponed games. Uh, I was supposed to work at the game January 10, but it sounds like... Uh, you were all fired up for a no-fans game, weren't you? I, I, I never experienced it. I, I mean, look, I was excited. I got a close parking spot, no traffic on the way home. Uh, I'm trying to think the other the other benefits. Uh, mainly those, uh, you know, get to enter the arena quickly, but it sounds like uh, they're going to reschedule those games just from a business perspective. I mean... Postpone them now, and hopefully you can fill the building and get all that sweet uh, hockey-related revenue. And, of course, the players want the revenue to go up, too, because otherwise uh, they have to pay escrow. So um, I think it was good. seems good ever, for everyone if you, uh, you know, can have fans as full as you can in the building. We'll wait and see uh, how that happens. But, yeah, lots, lots to get to. Me, to. to me, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you're not going to be able to have fans in the building at all, 
which is the case right now in Winnipeg for the next couple of weeks, what's the point of hosting games yeah. just to get them going? Especially now, maybe this is a different story if they're playing on a really tight schedule and needing to get all the games in and then do the playoffs. But that's not the case right now with the players not going to the Olympics. So, um, you know, they've got a very unique opportunity to reschedule a number of these games, do it at a time where fans can use their tickets and actually get to the rink and see them play. And as I said, there's been a lot of fingers crossing lately. Uh, hopefully that'll be the case. We'll get through these next couple of weeks, be in a better situation to move forward here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba and get some butts back in seats for Winnipeg Jets hockey. That being said, though, as Mike just mentioned, big, big road trip coming up Friday in Calgary, New Year's Eve to get things going. And then Vegas, Arizona and Colorado. You like the fact that Arizona's in there. Jets owe them one, considering what happened here in Winnipeg a few weeks ago. Uh, but man, Calgary, Vegas, Colorado, um, no easing in to the new year for the Winnipeg Jets with this schedule that's coming up. Yeah, we'll wait and see. I mean, it could be a lot on the road. Uh, we'll be hearing about all the different uh, time zones, but I think we just want to see them on the ice at this point. Um, there are three games around the league right now tonight and you hope that uh canada can not canada the jets can play um friday in calgary it seems like that's gonna go forward but um yes uh we'll wait and see uh, see what happens here uh i've seen, seen a lot of people um tweeting fantasy implications about all these schedule changes and last week i joked that i picked up uh, jamie ben instead of stasny because you know dallas I did have, the same thing. I picked up Sagan and yeah, Radulov. Would have the less fact that all those guys were free agents is amazing to yeah. me. But well, Dallas is going. I mean, they got all these other guys um, scoring goals instead of you know the former big three. But I mean, we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, what happens with the schedule uh, for the Jets going forward? But as you mentioned, yeah, they're going up to Vegas for the January two, then Arizona, then Colorado. So uh, I think we'll, I think they'll get those games in. But you have to wonder. Um, you know, the positive rate so high and the border in play, if we'll have some players Well, left to me, the behind. border's completely irrelevant now. I mean, like I thought, before, you have to, I thought you have to quarantine, um, I guess. Oh, oh, if you get it. Yeah, 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 you do. But just as far as the big picture, like of the border and travel and stuff, I mean, bad news, everyone. Not sure if you've noticed, but the horse is out of the barn. Everyone's getting this right now. It's exploding yeah. everywhere. We just might be treating it a little differently mm -hmm. here. Um, but it's not like anything's changing by someone coming in with COVID. I mean, it's no, already no. here. I mean, for getting stuck, because if you're positive, yeah. you can't. That's what I mean. But one other thing that's come out, you know, a lot's coming out in the last like hour or so. Adam Schefter just tweeted an hour ago, the NFL and NFLPA are getting close to adopting the new CDC guidelines that would reduce the quarantine time from five days, or sorry, two five days from 10 days for all players including those unvaccinated. Agreement could be done today. So if you thought Carson Wentz might be out uh, for the next two weeks, um, maybe wait and see. And I think there's some other players like Mike Williams and Cole Beasley, uh, whoever this is for, and, you know, going to NFL. But and I know Lou Lamorello was talking about it. I think the Canadian requirements compared to the U.S. are slightly different in putting a wrench uh, into, you their don't plans, say. <laughs> into their plans. So. This is all something to watch for, you know, who's going to be on the ice or on the field and who's going to be in your fantasy lineup uh, going forward. So we'll, we'll just keep an eye on what's going on. Yeah, no doubt. I should mention when we went through the cool bet lines, there are three NHL games tonight. The Habs, a huge underdog plus two thirty against the lightning in Tampa. I believe I saw something earlier today right. that there will only be six players 
that were on the tee, that were on the Habs when they went to the Cup final like this summer in the lineup tonight. Um, very, very strange what's going on with uh, with Montreal, just the entire season that they've had oh, since that big run. Okay. I'm looking at their lineup right now. Like <laughs> their lineup is not. Uh, I, who are some of these guys? A daily faceoff is someone named Raphael Harvey Pennard on uh, the second line. I've never heard of that player. He's he's probably twenty five hundred on DraftKings if he's even listed, Remus. I'll tell you that. Do you and like I've been doing daily fantasy all year. I'm checking the lines. That's why it's I've kind of taken a step back from hockey DraftKings because I don't know who these guys are in the lineups anymore. But I mean, no, look it, at this. It, it, look at these <laughs> this Habs team. Like, ooh, try to close this ad. Can't but. I, I can't do it. This daily faceoff has a million ads. It's we got to talk to Frank about this. Well, this site's yeah, not usable. It's, it's make it a subscription site so we don't have them on. Yeah. But the information is key. But yeah, um, I mean, like Jake Evans is in there. You've yeah. got um, Jesse Yalone and Alex Bell. Bazil. Who's like who is that? Michael. Pezzetta? He's played before. He's I've, I've never, never heard of him. I I I haven't heard of like other than the top line and like. I haven't heard of half of these forwards. Spend a little more time paying attention to the Laval Rocket, and then uh, and then you would probably know. But yeah, BA Split says is Sammy Niku playing. He is on the uh, the fourth third D pair, rocking uh, number fifteen, which is a weird one for Sammy. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Uh, two other games tonight: Vegas and the Kings. Vegas a minus one twenty seven favorite, and the Coyotes always the underdog, plus one seventy five and minus two hundred eight. And just to finish this off. Actually, going into the uh, into the the, the new year, I, I I saw this over the holiday, and I wanted to make sure I mentioned it at some point. Rima, did you know that the Coyotes right now, no, are on the verge of being by far the worst team in NHL history uh, in the three point game era. The no. worst team ever was the I believe the Avalanche in twenty fourteen fifteen. When they were 24, 50, and 8 for 58 points, that winning percentage was at 341. The Coyotes right now, heading into the resumption of games tonight, have 14 points, 6 wins, 21 regulation losses, and 2 overtime points, a winning percentage of just 190. So they could play much better in the new year and still be on pace to be the worst team of all time. And um, yes, unfortunately, one of those six wins was here. one nothing against the Winnipeg Jets, uh, which will be a, a thorn in the side of many Winnipeg Jet fans. But just to put it into, histor- into historical perspective, how bad this Coyotes team is, uh, they could be the worst of all time. Yeah, I mean, they're not even trying to win us. They're just trying to get to the salary floor. So hopefully. Hopefully this is the beginning of the end of the Coyotes, but we've been saying this for ten years. So, but it's seemingly they'll we'll see what happens with with the arena. That's what we're all we're all focused on. We're not focused on their horrible record. Although one of those wins, yes, uh, did come here. And uh, prefer if they were five twenty two and two. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Hey, great show, everyone. I hope you did have a great Christmas. First and foremost, I hope that you're healthy and um, you know feeling well because there's a lot of people that aren't right now. Uh, we will all get through this. We will hopefully have games on the weekend, including a New Year's Eve tilt with the Jets and the Calgary Flames that might take a bit of the sting about not having any big parties on, on New Year's Eve. 
and of course Vegas on the weekend and then Arizona and Colorado as this trip continues. Uh, a big thanks to all of our sponsors. Don't forget big Boxing Day sales at many spots, including F Apparel and Royal Sports right now, uh, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Not Auto Corp, our friends at Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Cool Bet Canada, and of course the Great Taste of Canadian Club. Um, we're going to roll through this week and continue doing shows. Might not go as long as we did today, depending on what happens, but um, hoping to have Marat join us tomorrow. Hammer, Ken Weeble join us a little later on this week. I can, of course, as long as he's feeling okay. Definitely hope that he's feeling better right now as he's one of uh, thousands of people in Manitoba that are unfortunately dealing with the Omicron strain of the virus. Uh, but you can count on it. We'll be back tomorrow, one o'clock. We'll have more from the World Juniors, more on the Winnipeg Jets, practice reports, and a look ahead to this upcoming road trip. And we'll probably get into a little best of 2021 as well over the next few days. So hopefully we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. Stay warm if you can. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great day. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.